What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Dobbin here with the young boy Josh Smith and Justin Nipper. On today's show, we'll preview Wrestle Kingdom 17 in Yokohama Arena and cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping it strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pressing Tea store, pressingtea.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPWEXT, the only Browser extension for njpwworld.com, frequently updated with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and share plus, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes njpwworld to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. And like you heard in the intro, we are joined by Justin Nipper. He is the overseas PR for Pro Wrestling Noah. Justin, how are you doing, man? Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Mr. Young Boy. Welcome <laughs> back to me. Yeah, I, last time I was here I was hanging out with you guys and Mike Semper Vivi. That was really fun too. So I'm happy to be back. Yeah, that's right. It was for our Antonio Anoki uh, tribute episode. So if you guys haven't heard that, go back in the archive, check it out. Like I said, we got Justin and Mike Semper Vivi from Wrestling Observer Live, Big Audio Nightmare. On the fun show, uh, you know, just kind of talking about Anoki and his career and just what he meant to New Japan Pro Wrestling. But, you know, you are the, the Noah man, and so we brought you on. We got this big Wrestle Kingdom 17 show uh, coming up this weekend in Yokohama Arena. New Japan versus Noah, Congo versus Los Ingobernables de Japón. Uh, before we jump into that, you know, last time we didn't get a chance to do our normal kind of new guest questions that we normally do because we're just kind of jumping right into the Anoki talk. Um, so why don't you tell our listeners, Justin, when did you first start watching New Japan and when did you start watching Noah? 
when did I first start watching New Japan? My first experience with New Japan, I have two vivid memories, but they're, they're kind of different. So seeing New Japan on TV, the first time I saw it when I was a kid, there was, um, was Star K95, and they were really pumping the New Japan versus WCW uh, kind of singles match. Do you remember those with Liger and Benoit and Guerrero and Shinjiro Otani yeah. and Tenzan? Um uh, that was, was that one arcade 95 95 yeah so i guess that's maybe one of the first times i saw saw new japan you know what i mean but uh there was also a time long time ago i would go up to my grandmother's house in western new york and there was usually nothing to do there when i was a kid so we'd always go to pick a flick it was this really small uh, mom and pop rental videotape rental shop and there was a video there that was a New Japan Pro Wrestling video there from the 80s. I forget exactly what it was called, but um, wow. I, I believe it was uh, Pro Wrestling USA, I think. Oh, God, I forget the guy's name who uh, ran that distribution. But basically, Gordon Soley was doing the commentary over it. And it had matches like with Dick Murdoch and Jimmy Snuka was on the cover. And it had Tatsumi Fujinami and Inoki, I'm sure, and Choshu. But it was from like the mid-80s. And it was kind of like this, like it was a compilation of a bunch of different matches from different venues with Gordon Soley doing all the commentary for it. I can't, I think like Ring, not Ring Warriors or something. I forget the name of it, but it was this one import VHS tape that was hanging out at a random small VHS rental shop in Western New York. So that is one of the first and more vivid memories I have of New Japan, because it was actually somebody explaining what was going on in English with Gordon Soli. He was also, he said souple a lot instead of suplex, because <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of souples in, the, in, in Japan, Japanese wrestling, especially around that time. So that really, that always stuck with me as well. So those are my earliest memories watching New Japan. With Noah, That's so weird. I've, I don't even. I've never heard of that tape. So I it, wonder if we could figure I, out what that is. <laughs> I have a picture of it on my hard drive somewhere, and I know Jimmy Snook is on the cover. I just don't recall the mm. name of it, but I'll send it to you guys afterwards. I, I it exists, and I hunted it down for years and years. Never knew like who produced it or um, like what company or, or or distribution company it was a part of. Um, but I, I believe it was a part of that Pro Wrestling USA. Uh, if you oh, this is yeah, this is yeah. a long time ago. This, there was like a, a show where they show wrestling from all over the world or all over the states, but it wasn't associated with NWA. Oh my god! Uh, I can't remember this fellow's name. He was like the main distributor. He he was the, the guy responsible for distributing a lot of wrestling in the Northeast, up and down the Northeast. But can't recall the guy's name for now. But yeah, those are my early New Japan memories. Nice. What about a Noah? Noah, I was I was a a dorky kid growing up, and I was really into all Japan and tape trading and New Japan. So when I was like fifteen, I was already New or all Japan fan, and it kind of like everything happened then. So it was kind of like when it happened, it was also around the time that things in the states were falling apart too with ECW and WCW. 
and I was in high school by then, and it was kind of I started to fade out. I mean, I watched Noah originally, but I remember that feeling of everything was so messy and different suddenly by 2000. Noah was a part of it, but that doesn't mean Noah was one of the messier parts. Noah was one of the really cool parts, and I always those first Noah shows were. To me, that I always viewed them like just the extension of what was really happening in all Japan that year, ninety nine, two thousand. Because uh, you, if you remember, they were still pushing No Fear, Takayama, and Omori, and uh, Junakiyama was star at the time and was being pushed to be the you know the guy who was going to carry the company. But it wasn't all Japan; it was Noah. So. Akiyama would end up with a different legacy. But yeah, I, I was a uh, kind of active, uh, cognizant fan around that time. And I remember it was hard to watch because tape trading and the internet was it was around, but it was still slow. So you might have to wait a month or two or even three to get some, like a month's worth of television on one tape or one event or something. And also pay-per-view was debuting in J- Japan around then. It wasn't as popular, but... Sometimes easier to get, sometimes harder to get. But those are the early Noah memories. But I, I just connect Noah to all Japan in my head because yeah. how tight it was. Nice. So uh, who's your uh, favorite uh, New Japan wrestler and your favorite Noah wrestler? Wow, favorite New Japan wrestler. Oh, that's really tough. You know, sometimes I want to say Riki Choshu, but I can't. You know, he's, he has so much outside of New Japan, too. You know, I, I want to give you somebody who's like New Japan through and through. You know, not not just somebody who has appeared for New Japan. Let me think. Favorite New Japan wrestler? I mean, saying Inoki is almost like cheating. Almost, I feel like that's not a good answer, but I, I do like him a lot. Um, currently, I I really like Great Okan, and I really like Taichi. I know I'm sure I'll get. Stuff for that, but I don't care because I like them both very much. A gimmick, a gimmick man. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I, I, as wrestlers, I like both too. As as wrestlers they're without really the gimmicks, good. and especially when they're with the right dance partner, so to speak. I think uh, I enjoy those guys. I like a lot of the New Japan Strong guys too. The the younger guys on that show. I always am impressed with the DKC. Love mm. the DKC. Yeah, the DKC Fire. Yes, DKC Fire. <laughs> I love that. See, he's the one I, w- I I thought he should be Master Watto, not the current Master Watto. I think <laughs> because of uh, the DKC's kung fu and karate, <laughs> I think that would have been cool for he could be you know the way to the Grand Master would be to the DKC or, or something. I don't know, but I like well, some of those guys too. Yeah. Well, you know, we've never gotten to the point where there is a Grand Master. Maybe it turns out DKC is the Grand Master and. Wanto's just making his way to him. That's that's the whole inside track. Well, it would be cool, but I know that the DKC has lost a lot of matches recently, so I don't know why Wato would want to go there, <laughs> go that way. It's a smokescreen. Uh, way to Grandmaster. The <laughs> uh, I I with, with the favorites. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if I have. Like uh, just one per, I like I, I'm cheesy. I like everybody, uh, of course. Misawa for Noah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like I have to say it, mm-hmm. like yeah. legally. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, uh, as far as the new guys go, it's I am always satisfied watching a match with Keno or Kaito Kiyomiya, especially these days. 
And I really enjoy watching Kano speak and listening to yeah. him speak because he's very charismatic. Even if you don't understand Japanese, he's very funny and fun to listen to. Yeah, you he's kinda, all charisma. You kind of get the gist of what he's saying based off his facial reactions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very strong. And then uh, last thing I right hear, and I'm not big into favorites, but your favorite New Japan match, favorite Noah match. Mm, favorite New Japan match. Muto and Takara 1996 was pretty special. And mm. the reactions people had for me, that's really amazing. It's, but it's also hard not to say any of the Kenny Okada matches. Right. So uh, I'll, if I had to pick one, I'm going to have to say the first Kenny Okada because I was there and I knew it was special. And I knew like nothing was like that before that. Mm-hmm. And nothing would be exactly like that afterwards but it was all based on you know that that one was one of the the spark plugs that really sent new japan kenny okada all into the stratosphere it was already kind of big but that was it was really special to see both uh, and like looking back on what had like what the result was but also like being there it really it's not an over-exaggerated opinion to say it was like six stars i mean the people that were there were losing their minds like women were screaming kenny's name Mm. around tokyo dome afterwards the match was over it was very it was a big deal and i've never experienced a match like that so i guess if i had to pick one yeah i guess it has to be kenny okada number one i was in my apartment building screaming kenny's name (laughs) i think if you were if if you watch the match from the beginning to the end it's like yeah, it's a roller coaster. I mean, yeah. it was really. I would say it was more like like a sixty forty, uh, mm. in like sixty percent in favor of Okada. But it was more of this idea: that like, are they really, really going to have Kenny win the title here in Tokyo Dome? Yeah, and it was getting closer and closer. And the story that was on my mind and everybody's mind walking out of the Tokyo Dome was. If he had just hit the one-winged angel, if he had just hit it, he would have definitely won. That was the (laughs) kind of feeling or or thought that you had because that was the big tease towards the end, and that's what what they left everybody with. It's amazing that you could leave somebody with a thought like that, and uh, that was kind of one of the pieces of that story for a long time. So, yeah, that was really special. So I, I guess I have to say that one. Nice. Well, uh, now we're going to shift gears now, talk about Wrestle Kingdom 17 in Yokohama Arena uh, coming up this weekend, January 21st. And News Day Breakfast is going to be a full cheering event. So that's going to be great to uh, hear the fans' reaction for this. And, you know, this is kind of, you know, the sequel to last year's show. We had uh, three nights of Wrestle Kingdom last year, with the third night being uh once again in Yokohama Arena this New Japan versus Noah show and you know there was a lot of fan complaints because it was um a ton of multi-man matches people were hoping for big you know dream singles matches people were hoping for more angles and promos that would kind of lead to this kind of big dream card and we just kind of got a uh, it was a good show but I don't think it's w- quite what fans were expecting but uh, this year, it's a different story um, back here at Yokohama Arena. But we have uh, several singles matches 
that are, are revolving around Los Ingobernables de Japón from New Japan and uh, Congo from Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, we've seen several uh, promos now and angles of these guys showing up at each other's promotions, uh, getting a lot of fans uh, really excited. And uh, we had several questions um, about this event. Uh, the first few I think we'll kind of answer as we talk about each match, but I'll, I'll read them now so we can kind of keep them in our mind as we um, get to the review, and then a few of them we can answer before we start the review. Uh, so Mr. Dormant 3 says, do you think the booking of the LIJ lads versus the Congo lads will be even until the last match, or do the Noah lads get run out the building? Sherb 8 says, I don't watch Noah. In what position are these guys in their company? You can do parallel parallel with NJPW guys if that helps. Um, let's see here. Pussy Destroyer 83619 says, <laughs> Los Ingobernables have lost their most recent matches in Wrestle Kingdom New Year's Dash. Is there a possibility that having Los Ingobernables lose to Congo and failing NJPW is a bigger part of the story that is on the rise? Uh, MCW 11986 is the focus of the show, an overall score of NJPW versus Noah like last year or LIJ versus Congo. We can go ahead and kind of answer that one right now. What are your thoughts on that one, Justin? Do you think it's focused on NJ, NJPD versus Noah, or is it made just on LIJ versus Congo? Well, I mean, LIJ and Congo, that's definitely the attraction, but the card that they've made up, uh, it's it's Noah versus, versus or Noah and uh, New Japan talent uh, that don't have anything to do with the the Congo or LIJ storyline. There are mm. some young lions on the show. There are some Noah rookies. We're gonna have appearances by guys like from from um, New Japan big stars like Okada. Tanahashi will be on the show. Um, Okada and Kiyomiya have a little bit of business or history from last year together from the tag match they had. So I can see that as being another somewhat continued story from last year but it, it's not a you know if you didn't see it last year it's it's not a big deal either it's 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 a year ago so it's kind of both it's uh, there is a little bit of history between some of the fellows on the show but also it's a nice jumping in or jumping on point if you're a fan of either or just a fan of new japan or just a fan of noah I mean, a lot of the best stars are going to be featured from both companies. So, oh, and also, if anybody uh, saw, it was uh, Tanahashi when he showed up in Noah in October. Uh, he had a six-man match w- with Muto, and in that match, Yoshiki Inamura, who was a younger big fellow from Noah, and him and Togi Makabe got really into it and started. They 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 continued to fight after the bell, so there was a little bit of. Uh, uh, we might see some follow-up to that in the match where Okada and Togi Makabe take on Inamura and Kaito Kimiya. So there are little hints from pieces of shows last year that might get tied up here or might continue from here. But, of course, LIJ and Congo is, is the main attraction. Yeah, I, I agree um, with everything that you said there, Justin. Um, and I think it's good to kind of point out that Inamura... Um, Makabe kind of callback there that's in that tag match. If it was me, I'd much rather see the Ishii Inamura, um, you know, see those two guys run it back like they did last year. But um, all, all last year, we saw quite a few crossover shows with New Japan and various different companies. And in almost every case, um, 
there was always like a lot of like, yeah, there was some like, you know, company versus company, but there was a lot of matches that would integrate uh, members from both rosters and kind of have them teaming together. This is the most we've seen in a long time where it's New Japan and Noah head to head. There's only one match on the entire card where we're seeing talents from both companies team together, and that's the opener for the main card, the eight man tag. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of history and, and stuff there. But up and down the rest of the, the card, even on the pre-show, it's pretty much New Japan versus Noah, which is very interesting. And I am, you know, anytime there's situations like this where it's, you know, two major companies, there's always that professional rivalry. And we hear about politics and things like that behind, you know, closed doors. And it is going to be interesting to see how they decide to book this out. Because like you mentioned, the LIJ Congo, that is the main attraction. And you have the five on five series. And hypothetically, I'm just throwing this out there. Like, let's say Congo pulls off, you know, what many fans would deem an upset and, you know, runs the score up on them, beats them three to two. But maybe New Japan is, you know, at the end of the night, tallied higher on the undercard. That might be like a potential compromise. Or maybe it's the other way. Maybe Noah runs up the total score for the whole evening and LIJ beats Congo, and that's the trade-off. And I could see something like that being a uh, you know a strong possibility. Hmm. I mean, if there's a situation where, uh, talking business-wise, not like story angle-wise, but business-wise, if everything can be win-win, it's like why not continue? Uh, you know, book something so that this can continue. And there, right. there is the slight connection between Noah and New Japan now through Abema Television. Abema, the digital television company that is owned by Cyber Agent, which also owns Cyber Fight, which is Noah is a division of. Okay. But also Abema Television, while it's owned by Cyber Agent, TV Asahi owns 15% of it. They have a stake in it as well. Which is why, that's why I think last year the event was on Abema TV. So... Mm-hmm. There is like a there is a, a a tunnel connecting the two mm. companies. It's not as I mean, listen, they're not working together. It's not right. like there's you know team building meetings and all that. No, it's <laughs> it's just there's a connection and it's convenient and using Abema and and working things out together um, is financially beneficial to both companies. Um, it gives both companies fresh new angles to look at without having to rely on too many overseas talent because you never know what can happen with pandemic and things just in the snap of a finger be shut down and no cheering and no shows. So it's another way to keep things interesting while also keeping it domestic, but not just boring either. Um, I also believe that I, the companies are kind of splitting the cost of Yokohama Arena with these two shows, so it's kind of mm. a mutually beneficial um, decision to to work side by side this January. But I mean, personally, if everything works and we get lots of exciting angles and we get some, we come up with a result that. Uh, it doesn't leave us completely hanging. I'm sure we'll get some sort of definitive kind of outcome. But if it, like what you suggested, if maybe LIJ edges out Congo, but Noah uh, 
has the total amount of wins at the end of the card, something like that, or vice versa, anything like that, I think would be cool to keep it going because, you know, why not? But it also depends on how people react now. I don't know how the Japanese fans are going to react uh, live, although online I did see some of the New Japan fans are passionate for New Japan and they're passionately against Kano and they <laughs> do not like it's it's funny to see it's one of the things that if you if you can you can even see some of these on on your Twitter when you hit translate sometimes but if mm. you can you can pick out what people are saying one of the things I I saw recently was something like I can't believe uh, Kano was on the show I bought tickets already if I knew uh, Congo was on the show. I would have returned my tickets. It's very, very. It's you know, I, we watch Japanese wrestling because we're pretty hardcore wrestling fans, and we're looking for right. you know the best stuff. Whereas New Japan has gotten so big, where there's that, but there's also a lot of fans that New Japan equals pro wrestling for them. So mm-hmm. anything outside of that, you know, especially younger fans who haven't seen anything, to right. them. It's similar to like WWE fan, and that's not a knock. It's just what it is. It's just right. That's their universe. It's New Japan World, and that's what they know. And anything outside of that is icky and wrong. And Keno is not like many New Japan wrestlers, so I'm sure he rubs a lot of domestic fans the wrong way, which is great. I think that's great. <laughs> well, you guys remember when uh, when Kenta first made the jump over and they were calling him Noah Trash? <laughs> yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it is. I mean, there is a, a different style between the two. I don't think the styles between the two are drastic. You know, it's not like comparing, um, I don't know, AAA to Noah's style. Those are very different styles of wrestling. I think Noah and New Japan, there's a lot of similarities. And I think where LIJ showed up and threw tons of shade on Congo, uh, that kind of stuff, I think, is, is what will do it. I think that's the kind of thing... Um, That'll keep it going. And that's what I look forward to the most as well. Yeah, I think definitely a lot of different interesting directions they can go in with this. Um, you know, speaking of politics, uh, MTW also asks, he says, no, no Ishimori on the card again, despite his history in Noah. Why? Well, he, I know he is the part of the only match announced for the Tokyo Dome next month. I think that might be why. He, it, he and Gedo are going to take on Nosawa Rongai and Masada in Nosawa Rongai's retirement match. That is the one match that's been announced for Tokyo Dome. So I think maybe that might be something to do with it since he's already booked for the Tokyo Dome show. He's not going to do... And that's about, I think, exa- a month from the day that uh, the Yokohama show is, Russell Kingdom, mm. uh, February 21st. So maybe that's why. I don't know exactly why, but, I'm, but I'm, I imagine he'll be there. So maybe like you mentioned potential for angles and things like that. Who knows? Sure. If maybe there's a segment or promo or something, you know, run in. I don't know. With the new Japan side, I know a lot less because I don't work for new Japan. So I, 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 <laughs> I kind of know where it's coming from, but with the wrestle kingdom show, since it's a new Japan production, new Japan decides. So we'll see what happens. Sure. Yeah, and he also. But, asks, yeah, Ishimori. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, so, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, it's true. Ishimori does. He he is one of the main, uh, one of the top juniors they had for years. But I think when he came to New Japan, it's kind of like a different version of Ishimori. You know, Bone mm-hmm. Soldier is New Japan Ishimori. So I tend to see when people kind of change their gimmick like that. 
uh, they tend to stick to what they're doing in New Japan. Same with Shingo Takagi. Yeah, I was gonna he, say exactly. He's that's LIJ. Exactly I was gonna say yeah. Yeah, and like, I, he's I, not the same guy at all. Different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's the New Japan character. It's cool. I mean, that's yeah. what, that's what they want to do. But um, it's a good question. But I think that may be why because he's involved next month. But hey, who knows? Yeah, I know there was some previous heat there with Ishimori because when he initially left Noah, he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna wrestle in the U.S." He did some stuff in Impact X Division, and then immediately kind of jumped New Japan as as a Bone Soldier and joined the Bullet Club. Um, and we know in, in Japan, you know, guys usually kind of stick with their promotion for the most part that they've, they've grown up with and typically don't leave. And so it's kind of cachet, kind of jump promotions. And guys usually have to kind of be kind of, you know, sly and sneaky about it, like Ishimori when they go, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go work in the U.S. And, you know, I'll, I'll be back. But then kind of backward their way into New Japan. So I didn't know if any heat from that was still kind of lingering over. But if he's going to be on that other Tokyo Dome show uh, with Noah guys, maybe the, the heat's kind of cooled off. I, I think when he was when he arrived in New Japan, Noah was going through a lot of different management changes. I think mm-hmm. the company before Cyber Agent and Cyber Fight got involved, there were like three or four different um, owners, like owner ownership groups. The most previous one was the group Lidette, which runs Gleet now. Um, but before that, there was. A lot of backstage management issues. Things weren't as stable as they are now. And I think that might have been one of the key factors that uh, Ishimori wanted to, to head out because things backstage in Noah were a lot different than they are now. So I don't think there's any heat or anything. I think, I mean, New Japan has a completely loaded roster and Noah's roster gets more loaded. So it's kind of like, I, I there's a lot of guys I'm sure we'd all like to see on the show just you know, I'd have liked to see Jay White on the show, but hey, you know, it's just what it is. I think, um, but yeah, he'll be involved next month. So I don't think it's not a heat thing. I think it might just be a, no room for him on the card. Yeah. And then uh, last question here before we start the preview, and we'll, we'll kind of touch on this as we go through the, the matchups here from uh, Heavenly Halbeard says, with the matches last year being heavily in favor of New Japan, which singles matches from a political standpoint can you see Congo winning? So I think it's best we just kind of go through each of these matches. We'll start with the main event. So the main event of the show is going to be Tetsuya Naito, leader of Los Ingobernables de Japón, versus Keno, the leader of Congo. And, and Justin, can you give our listeners a, a little, you know, quick kind of background on Keno, who he is, and kind of why this is a, an interesting matchup for these guys? Okay, Keno is former GHC heavyweight champion. Uh, he's been with Noah for a long time, although he didn't start with Noah. He started in, uh, out in Chiba with it was Michinoku Pro, yeah. Kaintai Dojo. Uh, what's interesting, what sets him apart from a lot of other wrestlers is he's coming from martial arts background, and it's not like um, like kickboxing or judo. He's coming from uh, Kempo, which is kind of like karate, but there's more full contact, uh, and you wearing the the headgear and the vest, and it's it's a little more intense than like Kyokushin. It's more like Kyokushin karate, but I'm, I, again, I'm not a karate master. I don't want to be the one. I might be uh, blending two styles, but basically, he was uh, not just a, a great kempo uh, practitioner. He was the youngest Japanese kempo champion in the country when he won at when he was 23. 
So he he has that kind of young prodigy vibe to him. He's always been great at what he does. But once he, you know, got to the top of Kempo, uh, he decided to take a whack at pro wrestling, and he's and he kind of started from the bottom and worked his way back up to the top. And he has Congo, his his group of, uh, I guess you could call them other outsiders. It the group reminds me of like an Ishingun or a group of people within a company that don't feel like they completely belong kind of the outsiders. Cause you have guys like Kano, but you also have Katsuka Nakajima who was developed in, you know, double J with Ricky Choshu. Uh, he, he wasn't immediately a Noah guy. He, he's coming from the outside. Hiroki high 69 training in Puerto Rico, Takamichinoku Tarasuke, another, uh, Kayantai dojo guy. Um, uh, Hajime Ohara who was, uh, trained in, he trained in the original Toriumon gym in New Mexico with Okada and uh, who else? Suki and later Ishimori who trained there. He has that background. Um, these guys, especially Congo, they're not from the traditional you know, dojo hierarchy. They didn't come from the dojo and work their way up from there. They work from the outside in. So it definitely has an outsider's vibe. You're from the outside, you're coming in and you didn't do it the way that we, we being new Japan did it because new Japan, they have their own system. They have their own philosophy. They have their own guy. And a lot of their stars, they built from the dojo to the main event. So like somebody like Jay white is an amazing example of that. He came from basically starting, you know, he, he had some experience, but he basically started in the dojo, and now he's the man who single-handedly sold out Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Andy Nuts. Nice. I, would, I would say um, Ishingun is probably the closest comparable, you know, reference, but for more modern fans, I think it's not quite the same, but something that is kind of similar would be like Suzuki-gun, would be sure. a similar, like, comparison for people that maybe, you know, aren't familiar Outside, yeah, Suzuki Gun is a great example. It's not exactly the same, but it's guys who came from pro wrestling, but not New Japan's specific right. dojo background. You had Suzuki, we all know him. We had Shelton Benjamin, who came from WWE and NCAA background. Uh, David Boy Smith Jr., who's David Boy Smith Jr., he has a different upbringing. Lance Archer, WWE, and Zack Saber. Uh, Catch Lancashire catches catch can specialist. So they're all coming out with these characteristics that aren't typical of the the no, uh, typical New Japan or typical Noah wrestlers. So mm-hmm. I think that flavor, it, Congo has that too. And you know, Lij has an element of that as well. But their uh, flavor is more lucha, lucha libre, yeah. mm-hmm. instead of uh, martial arts, I guess. If you, I mean, of course, the nuances are more subtle than that, but for an abridged version, yeah. They're not completely orthodox, but that's okay, because a lot of people relate to that, too. So you got people who want to root for the good guys, and there's some people who want to root for the anti-hero. They're not so good, but they got a good heart. Naito has a good heart. <laughs> Naito is like, uh, he's like Billy the Kid, I always compared him to, because he, he's mischievous. And he's he doesn't do like you know the the right thing all the time, but he means very well. Whereas they say that they're like heel leaning tweeners, basically. Sure, yeah. yeah. They do bad things, but at the end of the day, maybe you could trust them. 
Whereas I wouldn't say that about somebody like Great Okan, somebody so unstable and uh, 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 master of trickery and uh, unpredictability. I can't trust a man like that. United Empire has a totally different vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's kind of, you're dealing with big personalities in the main event, especially with Naito and Kano. They're very different personalities too. One is full of rage and fire and the other one is Tranquilo. Yeah, and we've been yeah. seeing that kind of play off with the, the few angles we've seen. So we saw at Wrestle Kingdom 17 in Tokyo Dome, Congo invaded the the post-match conference for uh, LIJ and kind of, you know, they're joking with Congo, you know, what are you guys doing here? This is Tokyo Dome. You should be in Cork and Hall. And, like, we don't remember. Like, yeah, we beat you guys last year. Like, we're, we didn't even think about it anymore. Like, do you guys still remember that? And so, you know, kind of Shingo and Naito really kind of, you know, badgering those guys where, you know, like you mentioned, Keno, Full of rage, um, very serious, very upset and angry. Uh, this weekend, you had Lij showing up to a Noah show, um, you know, buying Congo uh, merchandise and and getting you know Kano to sign it, and <laughs> Kano finding out that they didn't pay to get into the show, and he's like, "All right, you all owe you know twenty five thousand yen." You are criminals. Yeah, which, which is them. funny because they showed up at the Tokyo Dome and no one said anything about did they pay? Shingo brought that up. <laughs> Shingo did bring that up uh, at the house show and Kano's response was, well, that was backstage and it was after the show. So <laughs> it's different. And, uh, um, a couple things I like to say about this match. So, um, you know, with this match in particular, we've only had a build for just a few short weeks, literally. I mean, unless you want to count last year, of course, that feeds into it. But, you know, this really kind of kicked off at on January 4th. And just in the matter of a few short weeks of social media and some press and, and some angles, we've got, in my opinion, a better built main event for this Wrestle Kingdom than we did for the last Wrestle Kingdom, which is pretty pretty incredible. And a lot of it's been carried by the great press conferences and promos that these guys have been doing. And you have two really incredible um, characters in Kano and Naito and, um, you know, very much like fire and ice, Tranquilo and rage, but there are some similar. Yeah, tall and short. Um, (laughs) But there are similarities between both of these guys. I mean, they both started off as juniors um, and then made their way through the junior ranks to basically rise to the top of their companies and in, um, you know, and, and become champions when it was kind of unlikely and became two of the most popular um, performers in both of their companies and leaders of factions. But for whatever reason, and I'm not saying it's either of their particular, like that it's directly 100% their fault, every time that they've been given the ball to kind of run with, with it, it just hasn't seemed to work out and has seemed to be less than what it should be. And now we're at a point where, both of these guys have suffered some major losses in recent times, you know, title uh, challenges and losses and things like that. And they're kind of both coming from a string of big defeats. And this is sort of like, I don't want to say a crossroads match, but in a way for both of them, for their personal pride, it kind of is. It's not like if either of them loses, it's not like they're going to go to the bottom of the card and start fighting young lions. You know, it's not like that, but in both of their minds, it is kind of make or break, especially since there's so much the, the pride of the, the um, faction is kind of riding on it too. But there's also personal pride and a lot of verbal animosity has played into this as well. So this is one where I'm really not sure where they're going to go. I think the more interesting thing is to have Kano win <laughs> because they said if Naito loses, he's going to show up in, in Noah 
And with the losses that he's um, taken recently, you know, the big ones against like Okada and, and Osprey, this might be the more interesting thing is to have something for him to chase if he loses to Kano in a, in a pretty big situation. I don't know. Because if he wins, I don't know what the next step is unless they have something planned that, you know, we're not sure about. Well, Kano did mention he, he had reporters convene at Naito's family's cafe. His, his mother and father own a cafe. And Tokyo Sports reported this and some other outlets reported this. And Kano, when he, he got there and he talked to the uh, reporters, he said, I don't usually eat at cheap establishments like this. <laughs> but I'm here and I'm here studying about Naito. And he was writing down all these facts about Naito. And he was getting angry about Naito. And he proposed uh, during this impromptu, very impromptu cafe press conference, he said that if Congo wins this five-on-five five series. He wants Naito and all of LIJ to come to Noah for a year, and it would be a five-for-one trade. LIJ for Satoshi Kojima. Who he, <laughs> he battled him over last summer, and he actually beat him for the GHC heavyweight title, but that's what he proposed. All of LIJ come to Noah for the year, and we kick uh, Kojima out and give him back to New Japan because he doesn't like him. He doesn't care for him much. And uh, he's gone on record last year. Keno said something to the effect of Noah is not a retirement home for New Japan wrestlers. Right. That's his. And he, the pride of Noah really falls on both he and Kaito Kiyomiya, but in different ways. Kiyomiya is a little more, less, uh, he has less rage, less, uh, he's less jaded and he's younger. And more hope for the future than Kano has. <laughs> Kano is all fire. And Kano comes from that martial arts background. He, he comes from a little bit of extra serious background where uh, Naito is Mr. Cool, Mr. Tranquilo. Um, and he, and he, he's Mr. Main Event, too. That's another thing. I was talking to somebody else about this. I was talking about any time that Naito is he has a spotlight on him and he's in that position, he really knocks it out of the park almost every time. I'm talking yeah. about if he's on the either the top match or the second to last match, almost always it tends to be something we talk about for like the whole year. He, I, I really, what I appreciate most about Naito is he's a big match performer. I love that. Yeah, I think a lot of fans are kind of you know wondering why Naito wasn't in a bigger position at Wrestle Kingdom in Tokyo Dome. You know, kind of being in the the Muta, uh, you know, six man last you know, New Japan Tokyo Dome match. Um, that was Muto. Muto, yeah. Excuse me. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a difference. Um, a different. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of fans are wondering. Oh, you know, Naito's in a six-man tag. You know, he's not in a big singles match. But I think it was probably because you know, he, essentially, this show is pretty much all about him and his group. Uh, he's getting essentially his own kind of big show here, and he's in the main event here, and he's kind of be going to be given a big moment here. Which part of me thinks because of that, it, it might. I have a hard time seeing him lose because of that. Like he's going to get, I feel like he's going to get his big Russell kingdom moment here. Since he didn't really get one um, in the Tokyo Dome this year. It was all about, you know, Muto and also building up Shota Umino, who those guys, Umino and Naito will be feuding going into new beginning. Um, so I feel like, you know, here's like a kind of a make good from new Japan. Like here, mm. here's your Russell kingdom. <laughs> here's your main event. And you're going to get a big win. I do agree that Kano winning would be the more, the more interesting thing. But I think just because of how things shook out for Naito at the beginning of this year, 
I feel like New Japan kind of wants to get him, give him a big main event and give him a big kind of moment since he couldn't get a Tokyo Dome moment. Well, the, the other thing with that, too, is typically when we're, like, reviewing a New Japan show, we have a pretty good inkling of who may or may not win. It's not 100% of the time, but we do a pretty good job on this show predicting just because we, we've been watching Gato for so many years. We know his ebbs and flows, and, you know, we, we usually can get a pretty good read on what's happening. But in a situation like this where it's two companies battling for supremacy and we're maybe not as... Um, exposed to Noah as some more knowledgeable fans are, it's really hard to kind of predict who's going to win a high-stakes match like this. And maybe that's the best thing, because that's usually when I think wrestling is the best, when it's, it is unpredictable and you don't know who's going to win. And, you know, if you have two characters like this that are easy to get invested into, um, you know, that's a win-win for everybody, like you said earlier, Justin. So I, I'm very excited for the match, but I... I really don't know who's going to win. I mean, I, I'm predicting, I guess, Kano, but it's like a, it's like a, it's a 50-50 guess, really. <laughs> it's the best kind of main event, though, right? I mean, mm-hmm. both scenarios, Jeremy, that you laid out, I buy both of them. Both work. I'm just excited to see where it goes. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. And it kind of depends. Uh, what happens that night depends. It really will shake up Noah, depending on where Noah goes, because Kano is one of the top stars. But it could also really shake up New Japan, uh, either with Naito sticking around, following up with this uh, Noah Congo business, uh, or does he dive right into the Shota Umino program, or does him losing if he lost, would that affect a Shota Umino program? I don't know. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of good, good questions that could be answered or have to be answered after this main event. So. Well, the other thing, too, is last year there was complaints about two things. One, that New Japan, they won way more of the matches than Noah did, and then the losses that they took seemed to be highly political. They were like pin eaters that, you know, either had worked for Noah in the past. There was just weird things like that, you know, and a lot of people kind of picked up on that nuance. And then um, in that match with... uh, LIJ and Congo, Congo kind of got blown out. People really didn't like that. And so I am wondering if they're running it back in a five-on-five series, if if it really does make sense to have Congo win, or I'm sorry, lose the series again, you know, so they lose the the 10-man the the year before, and then they, or six-man or 12-man or whatever it was, and then they also lose the the Gauntlet series. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. And that's kind of why I'm thinking, like, not only is it more interesting, it might be more equitable to have Congo win the series. And then I'm thinking, because New Japan is like the bigger company, they probably still on paper win the overall evening, having more wins. But I think, I think, I think Kano's going to beat Naito. Like I'm selling myself on this right now. <laughs> hey, I don't mind that at all. Um, I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, I, I, it could go many ways, and it will dictate the direction of both companies going into the rest of the year and we'll just wait to see what happens and I, I, that that match in particular will be the one that will will shape everything but again this might also depend on how the rest of the card ends up before that match goes on right so I don't know if there'll be upsets because sometimes when you look at the card you feel like I, mean, I, I can see who's taking the pin in this one or um Maybe, you know, you expect what you expect, but maybe we'll get some curveballs. Who knows? 
Yeah, and we had a question uh, from Senior Sombrero 3K saying if Naito, Naito said had he loses, he'll appear in Noah. Based on that, if Kano wins, do you think there will be any follow-through on the statement to continue this feud? Um, I would hope so. That would be cool. But uh, I, I don't know. I can't say. I have no idea. It really depends. Uh, the the what are the, the stipulations have just been spouted out by mainly Kano, not Noah in particular. So I don't know exactly which way things are going to go. Of course, it depends on the result, but too soon to say. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm all for it. You throw uh, hey, Naito in the N1 and you give us a Nakajima That'd be great. For, for a G1, something like that. I'll yeah. take Sonata in the N1. <laughs> He's, Sonata's somebody who I think would be great in the N1. Uh, you can have him. I'm not a big Sonata. <laughs> well, I, but Sonata's somebody... No, well, he we'll, is great. We'll actually get to him soon because he has a, sh- a match on this card that has... It's not as random as you may right. think. Um, you want to talk about it now? I know it's, we're skipping over Takagi and, and Shingo, but quickly on Sonata Manabusoya, these guys used to be tag team partners. Right. But from the All Japan days to Wrestle 1 where there's the Muto connection as well. So ex-partners taking each other on in this singles match after years apart. That'll, that, you know, these little pieces, they're not really storylines. They're just, you know, it's coincidence that it's happening and they're going to use it in the story. It, it just happens to work. I love those kind of things where you're not really telling the story. You're just picking out things that actually happened and, just saying them. You don't have to lie about anything. You could just yeah. do it. And I, it I would feels... highly recommend um, if anybody that's listening didn't get a chance to check it out, the uh, press conference that they did uh, for this event was very good. And it, even though there wasn't English um, translations, they actually provided some of those translations on NJP, uh, NJPW1972.com. So you can kind of read along and watch at the same time. But they, during the, um, the face-off between Sonata and Soya, they brought up their history and they talked about how for both of them, they've kind of watched each other from afar and now they're in these different places doing different things. And it's sort of like for them, they feel also like it's a make or break match because they have to prove to themselves that they are beyond their partner slash rival at this point in their career, you know? So it's just kind of like a nice little, you know, tie in to everything else that's going on. And I like that. Yeah. And, uh, Soya, his, uh, get wild tag team in all Japan. They, uh, defeated Sonata and Joe Doring for the all Japan tag team titles. So there's a mm. little, that, that adds to that, that kind of personal rivalry you're talking about, Josh, and the, and the history here. So definitely like a history of rivalry, which kind of elevates the matchup, you know, like Justin says, kind of by chance that this kind of happened, these guys face off against each other, but yeah, you can use that, you know, pro wrestling history, that canon, and you know, elevate this matchup and to really tell the history between these guys. Yeah, you don't have to force anything; it's already there. And I think if you just, you know, you get your sheets out, you study your history a little bit, you go, okay, let's put this guy with that guy because they have this history together. I don't think it's more complicated than that. And a lot of times, I think if you if your knowledge base is wide enough, you can put matches together easily like this. That kind of slides right in, it goes so, like peanut butter and jelly. What you're saying, Justin, is give us the book. That's what you're saying. I guess sure. I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> um, you you, you got to ask Gato for that. I don't know. <laughs> another match that has a lot of history as well that we passed over is probably what I think for a lot of people the most anticipated or one of the most anticipated matches is 
the Shingo and um, Nakajima match, which these guys have had uh, two singles matches in the past, and Shingo has never beaten Katsuhiko Nakajima in singles action ever. It's also interesting because that he faced a, a young, fresh-faced Katsuhiko Nakajima. Now, this is going to be 2023 Nakajima with the perm and the goatee. <laughs> that is mm-hmm. a different Nakajima than the, the young uh, rookie Nakajima, who is extremely talented but very different um, swagger in the ring. But it's the same with Takagi. Takagi New Japan is a little bit different, uh, quite different than Dragon Gate Takagi. So... Uh, I don't know what. Do you know when the last match between them was? Was it a while ago? It's been I, a long time. I can yeah. look it up real quick. I, so probably under ten years, but uh, maybe more than five years. So it's been a while, and I think this might be the the most looked forward to match in terms of not just like a a storyline. I think that would be Naito and Kano, but I, th- I think it just in everybody's mind, it, everybody gets maggot excited. It's like there could be so many. Th- cool things that could happen. This this is undoubtedly going to be great. Storyline, no storyline. These guys will bring it. So the first time they fought was November of 2005. Nakajima beat Shingo at Dragon Gate in uh, just under 13 minutes. And then um, the more famous match is the one from Diamond Ring, the Kensuke office uh, mm-hmm. match from February of 2012. And Nakajima defeated Shingo in a, a, a fantastic match. If you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. Just under 24 minutes. See, that's pretty, that's a while ago. So I think if they're having great matches back then, imagine what they're going to deliver this weekend. So that'll be good. Story, no story, just the background between them alone and seeing how far they've come. So, yeah, that'll be a very good one. Yeah, another interesting note, you know, last year when they were building to the 10-man tag, both of these guys were the world champions of their respective promotions. And uh, Shingo, you know, he, he lost the title to Okada uh, night one of Wrestle Kingdom 16 last year and then kind of coming in without the title. But there was kind of a lot of like kind of back and forth between Nakajima and Shingo. And Nakajima's like, no, where's your title? Like, you were supposed to come in yeah. <laughs> as a champion. It's supposed to be like a champion versus champion thing. What, what's going on? And so, once again, this year we've kind of seen these guys – kind of go back and forth and um, both kind of claiming to want to win each other's, the other promotion's title. So that's been another interesting note there as well. Yeah. It's something that, oh, uh, go ahead, Jeremy. I was just going to say, that's something I'm all for. Like you're seeing both, either one of those guys or both of them go to the rival company and challenge for a title, like would be so sick. Yeah, that would be awesome. Having those titles adds to their story because if they had, these great matches before when they were young guys with no titles, suddenly add 10 years to the feud, maybe add some gold to the feud. And maybe this could be another chance or whatever they do this year. Hopefully it's so great that they run it back next year. Maybe some gold will be on the line either from GHC or IWGP. Yeah. Um, and we did have uh, some questions here. Uh, first from Epic Yes Dude says, Takagi and Nakajima have both said that if either one wins, they will challenge for the rival company title. Who would you like to see come out as a winner, and who would you prefer to see challenge for the title? So that means if Takagi loses, Nakajima would challenge New Japan champion? Yeah, Kazuchika Okada. Yeah, pretty much. And, vice, and, and if Takagi won, he would have to ch- challenge Kimiya. I think mm, 
I'd like to see both, so I don't care. <laughs> this, this Selfishly is as I, a fan. I don't know if there will actually be follow-through. I think where some of that was stemming from is the fact that right now, um, Shingo's the number one contender, and Nakajima's logic was like, well, if I beat you and you're the number one contender, then I should get your spot and challenge uh-huh. for your title. And then Shingo's like, well, what makes you think if I lose or if I beat you, I'm not going to come challenge for their title? So mm-hmm. it might have just been some like shit-talking, but... If they could follow through with on some of that this year, I mean, who knows that it's unlikely, but it would be so cool. <laughs> yeah, like Justin said, I, I'd be down to see either one as a pro wrestling fan. Yeah, you know, Shingo versus Kiyomiya, why not? You know, Nakajima versus Okada, why not? Let's go ahead and do it. <laughs> uh, and I know that going forward into this year after February, we're gonna be Noah will be a, a KG Muto less Noah. So there will be more room for these big dream matches like this too. So whatever happens, if they don't pursue it, that's a bummer. But if they do pursue it either way, I, I think all of the top, if you have, if you pick top four guys from new Japan and top four Noah guys, it can be any that you think. And all, all eight will mesh well together. I'm confident with that because they're also talented. So I'd love to see more of it. Yeah, and also I had a question here from MCW one 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 nine eight six says Nakazima versus Shingo, early contender for strong style match of the year. And, and Justin, in case I don't know if you're aware, we have with our awards we have different categories, and we have one that's like called the strong style fight of the year, where it's not necessarily the best match of the year, but it's like the most violent, the one that most uh, evokes the emotions of like a real you know violent struggle type thing. And that's what they're referring to. Like, could this be like one of those, holy shit, what the fuck are we seeing right now? <laughs> between, who was between Ishii? No, so between uh, Shingo and Nakajima. Shingo and Nakajima. Honestly, for that, I think there could be more of that in the main event. Because I think there's more rage there. And mm-hmm. I think also both... Naito and Kano are, you know, they're known to bled in matches. I don't know if anybody caught a Kano's match versus Great Muta during the pandemic, but um, mm-hmm. it, it was it was an empty studio, but there was just blood everywhere. So, and it wasn't, I wouldn't call it a technical masterpiece by any means, but it was violent and sometimes unintentionally silly, but that's a good thing, and unpredictable. And I, I, I hope to see some of that in the main event. Naito has been known to to throw down and not really have a, a he can have a technically beautiful match, but he can also have like the match he had with Jericho a couple of years ago, mm. which I thought was a great oh, yeah. brawl. Yeah. So he, he can throw down like that, too. So I want to see some of that. I was I was hoping for more of that in the great Muta versus Shinsuke Nakamura match. I just wanted a, a total bloodbath, but uh, it, it was a little more. It, it was more creative in the end. Wait, wait. With this one, I would say Nakajima has some of, if not the most stiff strikes or at least kicks of almost any wrestler I've ever seen. I mean, you put him up there with anybody, you know, Akira Maeda, Shuri, whoever, Kota Ibushi, whoever you want to name. Like, he's got some of the, the best stiff kicks that there have ever been. And then, you know, the last two or three years, Ishii, or I'm sorry, Shingo has won our Carl Gotch Award for these, you know, for, for our annual awards, which means like he's the guy that's going out there and having those strong style fights every single, you know, more more often than almost anybody else in the company. So with, with, with the history between these two guys and, and what they're known for, I think it's a very likely candidate for 
strong style fight of the year. I am a little nervous, though, especially just kind of considering Nakajima's recent history. I mean, there have been three incidences where he accidentally shoot knocked out opponents, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen here. But any incident aside, I do want to say, I think because Shingo's never beaten this guy, and because he's the number one contender for the, the world title in New Japan right now, I think he is a lock to win this match, personally. Yeah, also, Nakajima's been on kind of a downslope recently. He, he just dropped a match to Jack Morris, and mm. which is why he was in the six-man tag at the uh, Budokan show. So it could be onto something. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on for Shingo right now. Along with being the number one contender, he's also the the provisional KLPW champion. He will mm-hmm. be defending that title, uh, new beginning in Nagoya on Sunday um, against the Great Ocon. So he has a couple of big matches coming up. He's got a lot of heavy focus right now on Busy Shingo. Schedule. Yeah, for New Japan. So I definitely agree that yeah, Shingo more than likely is probably going to get the win here over Nakajima. Um, Regardless, I think it'll be great. I'm I'm really looking forward to that one too. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, uh, we talked about Sonata and Soya. Who do we think is winning that one? I don't know. <laughs> the only thing I will say, I think that personally, I'm gonna say I think Shingo wins his match. I think Kano wins his match, and then you know, give two of those other mat, give two of these undercard matches to um to uh. Congo guys and give one to an LIJ guy because I think that's the way we're going here personally I could be wrong yeah I, I think Soya is going to get the win here uh, personally I think it's going to end up being you know 3-2 in LIJ's favor um, so I can see uh, Manoba Soya getting the, the win here I think Sonata's a guy he's not really doing much in New Japan right now um, so I, I think a loss here wouldn't hurt him at all He'd be right where he is, anyways. Exactly. Soya, Soya is a, is a ta- he's often in the Congo tag team. Uh, he's sometimes he's uh, beating on some of the Noah Young Lions, not, not Young Lions, but the Noah Noah doesn't really have a, a title for their their rookies, but uh, the the Noah rookies he tends to beat on those guys in the opening matches. Um, we'll see. I feel like I can't. I don't want to say anything anti-Noah as I am a representative of the company. I don't want to just say, yeah, Sonata's is going to kick his ass. <laughs> but, um, hey, listen, we'll see. I, what I'm interested to see is how the the two will lay, play out their history in the ring. I wonder if anything will happen with that or they'll just go on and have a match. Yeah. Uh, for our listeners, is there anybody from New Japan you can kind of compare Soya to as far as his kind of standing in the company or maybe even wrestling style? Soya's unique because he's a big, stocky, burly dude. Um, you know what? I would consider, in some ways, I compare him a little bit to a, a little, a slightly younger, less crazy Izuka. Okay. <laughs> or um, that big brawling bruiser with maybe a, a style that you'd see more. Or in America than in Japan, you know what I mean? He was he did some training with Scott Diamore and trained in Canada for a long time. And he has that, you know, I think he'd be somebody who I'm sure people love to hear this, but he's somebody who would be great in WWE. Mm. Uh this is because of his style, his size, his approach. Um, but he in multiple tag match uh, multi-man tag matches, he's always been a, a cog, a very important cog in the Congo machine. So um 
He appears in tag matches. He had a really successful tag team with Takawa Mori, Get Wild. And they would wear the, the bear skins over their heads, and Soya had the headband. He really changed his look when he came to Noah. He has short, spiky red hair now and red contacts and a red goatee and the red Congo tights. He's all in on Congo, so <laughs> a little extra fiery. Nice. Yeah, well, I um, I think with Hiromu, um, it's interesting that they haven't uh, paired up with Hajime Ohara. In the past, he'd wanted to um, fight Aleha, but they ended up not being able to. Well, obviously, he's ousted <laughs> from Congo, and he's no longer with them. Um, but I almost kind of thought that they should maybe do him in uh, Tada. How do you pronounce his name? Tadusuke. 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 During the press conference, they seem to have more like comedic, like uh, like they're synergy. Both, they're both quite uh, silly. Tarasque is uh, he's mischievous. He he has a he has a personality for sure. Although I I think I know what you mean, but uh, I think it balances each match. Bushi and Tarasque. Tarasque is the I guess more jovial one and the same hmm. goes for Hiromu Takahashi and Hajime Ohara. I think Takahashi is Takahashi's Takahashi. I don't think anybody's like him. He's like a, a coloring book come to life. He's very vibrant and bombastic and Hajime Ohara a solid wrestler, but not the same energy or the same flavor. Hmm. I, I think Hiromu can't lose here. Yeah, Hiromu is, is one of the top guys, period, in the company, isn't he? I, I would rank him just there with popular heavyweights in New Japan. Yeah, Hiromu is the, the most popular uh, junior heavyweight going right now. He's the current junior heavyweight champion, uh, recapturing the title for a fifth time at Wrestle Kingdom 17 in Tokyo Dome. He has a defense coming up against Yo uh, a little bit later on the New Beginning Tour. So, yeah, things are kind of in an upswing for Roman right now in his post-match comments from Wrestle Kingdom, he says he wants to, um, you know, break the the current defense record for the junior title, which I believe would be what eleven defenses. Is that correct, Josh? Something like that. I yeah, can't... I think that's the record that Prince Devitt has. I think you would need twelve defenses to surpass him. Yeah, so I feel like we're in for a, a year of Hiromu here and him breaking that uh, defense record. So. Yeah, I think that they probably want to keep him strong here and get the the win over uh, Ohara here. I think this will be the fastest match on on the card. Not just not in terms of like the the length of it, but the pace of it. I think these guys Ohara has a tendency to to go go go, and if he's going, and Takahashi likes to match that energy. So I think we'll have a really high energy, high octane match here. Yeah, and then the opening match of this series will be Bushi versus Dasuke. Um you were saying Tadaska is kind of like a mischievous, which maybe which is why they kind of probably put him against Bushi because Bushi, you know, he has the 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 mist, and a lot of times will take his T-shirt off and choke people, and he's kind of like the more mischievous one on the Lij side of things too. I think most people saw Tadaske last year. He was rather he got choked by uh, by Great Muta. I always call that the weekly pro wrestling picture when Muta's on the outside and he's choking somebody, then everybody lines up to take the picture for the magazine. <laughs> so he had a great magazine shot uh, last year, Tadasuke. But yeah, he he's on the bigger side of a junior and he's been with, uh, he started with Michinoku Pro, Kaintai Dojo. This is why you might actually see, uh, oh, we're not going to see any uh, Congo tag matches, huh? They often did the Kaintai um, 
taunt, if you remember mm. them. They were all kind of uh, circled together and put their arms up and flex. Yeah. Because a lot of those guys are coming from that Kaintai Jojo, Michinoku Pro background, outsiders. Yeah, he's not quite the same, but like the mm-hmm. first time I saw Tadasuke, he reminded me a lot of Junior Taichi. I was just going to mention that. He's very, I think he's very much like Taichi, not just in his wrestling style and body size, but also personality. Right. They're both pretty, uh, they got sass mouths for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Taichi, I got to say, if you're ever interested in learning Japanese, listen to Taichi. I think Taichi is maybe one of the funniest wrestlers that um, New Japan has. He's very quick-witted and he's very mean. When he talks, he's very rude in a really funny way. Uh, tai Chi, yeah, I'm I'm all I'm Team Tai Chi for sure. As soon as you went heavyweight, man, uh, Team Tai Chi. And I, I want the same personally for Tadasuke because I think he's somebody who would do a lot better as a heavyweight. But yeah. hey, who knows? But yeah, he's I, taking on Bushi here. Well, I think he's, he's going to get the win here. Mm. Yeah, you know, now that I'm looking at it top to bottom, this just is pretty much on the chopping block from LIJ. And I think we're going to see all three of them lose. I think we're going to see Bushi, Sonata, and then the clincher will be Naito lose to give Kongo the series win. Um, but even if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure Shingo and Hiromu literally can't lose. Just It wouldn't make a lot of sense from a booking perspective. So that's kind of my, my take on it all. Yeah, I think for me, I have, yeah, I have Bushi losing, I have Sonata losing, and then Hiromu, Shingo, and Naito getting the win. So I have it going two-two into the final match between um, Shingo, I mean between Naito and Kano, and then Naito will will pull it out for the Lij team. But I do think the more am, the more, inter- more interesting thing would be for Kano to win, though. And Justin, maybe uh, you would be able to speak to this more than than us. Um, you know, with it being a Yokohama crowd, do you expect to see more of like a just um, kind of respectful audience that's there to see everybody? Or are we going to see kind of like a split crowd where there's Noah and New Japan fans and kind of like a, a rivalish sort of environment like a soccer team or like a soccer match? I, I'm i assuming, I don't know, but is the Wrestle Kingdom show is cheering aloud at it? Yes. It is. Yeah. Okay, so... At the New Japan show, I imagine it's going to be mostly pro-New Japan. Mm. And, of course, I'm sure there'll be some some Noah or, or Congo fans there. But I think that New Japan will have the the home home court advantage. Not because Yokohama is any home court. If Yokohama is anyone's home court, I would give it to, like, Big Japan. That was I always thought Yokohama was Big Japan. That's why they had their big shows. And Noah has big shows there, too. And so does New Japan. But I don't... I wouldn't see it as quite like that just because it's New Japan's show. So I think the New Japan show will have the New Japan fans and the Noah show will have Noah fans. I hope it gets a little heated and I hope people, you know, yell at each other and throw trash at each other and start beating (laughs) each other up. But I don't think that'll happen. But what I did notice, especially from the um, couple nights ago at that, when LIJ showed up at the Noah show, what it really feels like to me, it feels like so much is that this is a rivalry between like junior high school baseball teams. Like the way that they talk to each other, the, the premise, because the premise isn't all that deep, not that it has to be, but it's just 
I'm better than you. My my team, my school is better than your school. Yeah. And that and that storyline, we see that every day. I mean, college football, it's not the same guys, but it's often the same teams. And I think it's that kind of competitive rivalry, not a not a entirely uh, deep emotional uh, storyline that works too. But it's in this case, it really feels like a legendary high school rivalry and high school sports are huge in Japan too. So that's why I think it's influencing my thoughts too. But the way they talk to each other, the way they're approaching it, it's kind of like, which school do you represent? Yeah. Well, well how about a uh, Hiromu's letterman jacket when he showed up <laughs> the other night to Noah? Yeah. That was actually, that's by a friend of a friend's clothing company called rolling cradle out of Tokyo. Oh, Nice. Well, he, he he looked like a uh, a boy band like from the early two thousand. He had like the <laughs> he did. Hat <laughs> so he, he looked like he could have been at a ninety eight degrees concert. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> o town, um, and that's another thing too that really, uh, I guess, impressed me when I saw the videos of those guys walking in. Lij definitely has a star look or star like X factor to them. And you could tell immediately from those videos that were posted, they they have they look the part, they have swagger. Like Shingo has a swagger. Sonata looked like he was gonna pose for like GQ magazine with yeah. his purse. Um, like a, a Hiromo was looking like he's a new kids on the block. Even yeah. Naito was you know tranquiloed out, but she had a mask on. Uh, compared with the Noah guys, I think just the approaches are. I think Noah has a more international extravaganza pro wrestling. We want to show the best. We want to be the best. We're going to be on the same stage next to everybody else. And Noah is more traditionalist. It's more, we're part of the stage and the best wrestlers will come to our stage, but we're not going to, it's definitely a roster filled with more, um, muted undertones, uh, hidden belief, it's more subtle than New Japan. I think New Japan guys are definitely, they have the more rock star Hollywood feel to it. Mm. Um, it's different, and it's not, it's not bad or good. It, just having that new balance really intrigued a lot of people at the show. You can even hear on those videos how shocked people were that uh, Naito and company showed up. You can hear everybody going, huh? Huh? Oh, huh? like really like because it was a it was a house show too it was out in Shizuoka yeah. near Mount Fuji it's not like um it wasn't Cork and Hall Cork and Hall it's almost like it's surprising but it's you know okay Tokyo but so, way out yeah. there no and Naito was shaking when he was getting Kano's <laughs> autograph he was shaking oh oh my so god funny. I'm so nervous <laughs> what an asshole <laughs> Oh. Kano is very angry. Kano is very angry. And uh, yes, oh, uh, LIJ, they owe 25,000 yen. Yep. I hope I he hope pays he, up uh, this weekend. I hope he lights his um, kick pad on fire and <laughs> kicks this dude in the head. Old, old Muta style, yeah. <laughs> I hope this uh, the flying chair comes into play in one of these matches. Maybe Takagi Nakajima. Um, I think uh, Takagi threw a chair and Nakajima took the chair, unfolded it, and gave it a nice pat before he left. I hope this comes into the match <laughs> later on. Um, yeah. But th- those LIJ matches, uh, LIJ Congo matches, it'll be exciting. And like we talked about earlier, maybe this can be like an annual thing. It could be something that's really cool. And it doesn't, you, you can 
use different members of the teams or it can alter it just a little bit and it'll still be pretty exciting because it's not every day. It's only once a year. Yeah. Let's uh, look through these other matches real quick that's uh, happening on the card. So before the Bushi match, we'll have uh, Kazuchika Okada and Togi Makabe taking on Kaito Kiyomiya and Yoshiki Inomura. Like we were mentioning earlier, there's, there's that kind of callback of Inomura and Makabe from that tag match. And then we kind of know the history of Okada and Kiyomiya. Um, you know, Okada's been mentioning Kiyomiya's name in interviews for quite some time now and has actually been wanting a singles match, but we haven't gotten it yet. Uh, they were in the, the main event of the Yokohama show last year. With, it was um, Okada, with Okada and Tanahashi against uh, Kiyomiya and uh, Muto. Uh, yep, that's right. Yeah, so kind of a follow-up from this matchup. So once again, we're getting Okada and Kiyomiya in a tag situation. So who knows? Maybe hopefully this will, this will build to an eventual singles match. But this should be a pretty fun matchup here. Well, I'm I'm excited for it for a few reasons. Number one, this is sort of like the main event of the undercard before we get to the best of five series. And Inamora is a guy that, even though I'm not super knowledgeable on Noah, every time I've seen him, I'm like, holy crap, this kid has so much upside. I, I love his work and his look, and like he's just a hoss. And uh, being able to see him, not just with Makabe, but him and Okada mixed up is going to be really cool and really, really fun. But obviously, you got Kiyomiya and Okada in there, two of the best in the world, the respective aces of both of their companies, and they're in a very different place than they, this year than they were last year. And at the end of last year, you know, after Okada had mentioned Kiyomiya in the press several times prior to their matchup, he sort of made some remarks. I don't recall where exactly, but he said that Kiyomiya needed to go and find himself. And I guess by finding himself, he meant turn into like a Muto cosplay. But then at the same time, like Okada is doing um, like uh, an Anoki cosplay all at the same time. So they're kind of just like in a weird sort of like, I don't know, like transit place right now, but it is going to be very interesting to see the outcome. I mean, obviously I think Togi Makabe is probably there to eat the pin. Although I don't know, I guess in a more could as well, but um, seeing those two guys lock it up, they had, incredible incredible you know interactions and and sequences last year and um you know kiyomiya is on fire right now and kind of surging so i'm very like intrigued to see what he brings to the table against okada this time yeah i feel like we will see okada and kiyomiya over the next couple years in a variety of matches and I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn. I don't know if this is thinking too far ahead. I'm going to knock on my wooden table right now, but I, I'm going to say it. I think within maybe five years, I think we could see something like Okada and Kiyomiya at Tokyo Dome. Mm. That's, that's, Kiyomiya wow. is aiming for the top, and Okada will be on the top for a long time. So I think we will eventually see these two butt heads later on. You got to remember Kumi is only 26. Right. Yeah. So by the time he's 30, 31, I think that's going to be the time where he's ready. And I, I think, well, I mean, I know that he he's Mr. Noah. He is this. I have a feeling it's going to be a big year for him, but him and Okada, I would definitely keep an eye on all the stuff that Okada has said about Kumiya. This will build up. And I think they'll do the same as they did with Keno where they hold their feelings in for a long time and it comes out suddenly 
a year later, maybe backstage at a Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe not as extreme as the Congo style. Cumia has more manners than that. But uh, the, keep an eye on these two because I think from the initial Muto tag match to this tag match this year to whatever they do in the future, I think it will all connect to whenever they have their blow off match, whenever it may be. I don't see it happening soon, but I can see it happening years down the road, especially when Kumi is like by the time he's 30. I could see that. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think that'd be an, an epic matchup to have in uh, Tokyo Dome. And um, I agree with Josh here with uh, Togi Makabe kind of screaming pin eater to me. Yeah, I could see uh, Kiyomiya getting the pin over Makabe and kind of continue the kind of momentum that Kiyomiya is having right now in, in Noah. Mm. So um, after that, we have a, or should I say before that, we have a, a six-man tag here from New Japan side. We have Rizuka Taguchi, Master Wato, and Tiger Mask. Uh, Justin, I'm going to let you uh, say those names from, from the Noah side. <laughs> okay, we have the current junior heavyweight champion, GSC junior heavyweight champion, Amaksa, who used to be a wrestler named Hao with a mask, and he was in Congo. Uh, Junta Miyawaki, who just returned from Mexico after about six months over there. And Alejandro, uh, used to be in Wrestle 1. And he is now in Noah, masked wrestler. Um, yeah, so I want to say, if you're not familiar with Amaksa or Jinta Miyawaki, um, they had a match at the Budokan show January 1st that was way, way better than anyone anticipated it to be. So if you're into high-flying junior heavyweight action, those two had a hell of a match. Jinta Miyawaki will be one of the top like Noah rookies, uh, circling around the junior heavyweight title this year for sure. He was in Mexico for a little bit, but not CMLL. He was in IWRG and some of the other uh, lesser-known indies. So he was grinding out there before he came back. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. It, it really is three of the young-ish guys versus two real, I guess you call them legends, and Master Watto on his way yeah. to Grandmaster. I got a question, Justin. Um, with the juniors, because um, obviously, again, we're not as like familiar with the juniors over Noah. But like, you know, I'll, I'll I'll helicopter in for a big show, right? And I'll look online. I'll go on a cage match, or I'll read reviews, and I'll see like that these junior matches, you know, probably being ranked by like diehard Noah fans, usually don't get very well received then I'll have some of my friends who are not like your average Noah fans, more like people like us who helicopter in. They're like, you have to see these junior matches. They're incredible. And I'll go and I'll watch it. And I'm like, holy shit, this is so good. But the Noah fans don't seem, and even like the live audiences don't seem to respond to that high flying junior style of wrestling the way that like your more casual pro fan does like us. Like I'm I'll that, that match from one, one, like it got an okay like response, but like, me watching at home, I was like, holy crap, this is so good. Like, what's the disconnect there where, and I'm, I guess I'm generalizing a lot, but this has just been my experience that, like, maybe the Noah audience isn't as big on that high-flying junior side. I don't know what the deal is. I think, and you're right, because I think never from Noah going back to all Japan, there wasn't as much of a focus on junior heavyweight wrestling as New Japan had. New Japan had the initial quiet boom with Tiger Mask and Dynamite and it built and it built and Fujinami built it up. But when Liger was in charge of it, Super J Cup in 94, from there Junior Heavyweight became one of New Japan's real like 
specialty offerings and even today everybody knows that the best junior heavyweight wrestling is going to be it's going to start in new japan because of the amount of tournaments they've been holding over the years who's in charge like uh, liger being in charge of it for over years it's always had not just a lot of care but you know the best juniors often come through there all japan's history has been different you know they had champions like Atsushi Onita a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Yoshinari Ogawa was champion. The, there are, it's so it's kind of like, it's not like it's less important. I think there's just always been less of a focus, and there's always been more of an extreme focus on heavyweight wrestling, especially in NOAA. Uh, in New Japan, there's a little bit more like international flavor and flexibility. Just you like. We saw Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, who are not—they're not junior heavyweights. They're big dudes, but they're wrestling in an arguably junior heavyweight style, which some would say. Right. So, and I, which I don't think you'd ever see on the Noah end. I think you'd see more just orthodox, conservative, or perfect wrestling, where you're not trying to do all the flashy stuff. I think that's just been the mentality for so long that it's kind of bred that type of fan. But again, since it's never been in the forefront, it just never doesn't get as many eyeballs. Also the junior heavyweight title has been kind of hot potato for the past couple months. Um, on the other hand, I think the junior heavyweight tag titles, uh, if there's a match from the champions night, at Corken Hall, it was all five titles on the line. Those were all the matches. And there was a junior heavyweight tag title match between Kongo, Hajime Ohara, and Shuji Kondo. They took on Seiki Yoshioka and Atsushi Kotoge. And if you've never heard of them or you're not familiar with any of the guys, it's totally fine. Because this match, they were given like a little over 20 minutes to knock it out of the park. And I would put it up against any other junior heavyweight tag match of the year. Like a... Absolutely could be a junior, uh, what was it, uh, World League or best is, what the hell is it called? World League tag? Super Juniors? Oh, no, no, the, the tag one. That was, uh, super the, Junior uh, Tag League? Super Junior Tag League. I, I mix up the top of the super best of the super <laughs> what The tag <laughs> team one. Yeah. yeah. The, the one that was kind of recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Super yeah. Junior Tag League, yeah. Super Junior Tag League. Something like that. It's absolutely of that caliber. So, but you're right. You're right, Josh. I think that, like, it's just not it hasn't been the focus of either Noah or all Japan because New Japan has always had such a grasp mm-hmm. on it and they they kind of had a head start because they focused more on it and they had more access to international uh, folks from states Mexico UK and so on right so th- but there's always been an, uh, a lucha element uh, right. there's always and I think that that's part of it so I think it's less of a junior heavyweight focus, more of like international guests are in the focus, but the quality varies because the guests are different. So like well, we have Dr. I, Wagner Jr. Dr. Wagner Jr. right now. He's not your typical junior heavyweight wrestler, although he's a great wrestler. He's a heavyweight wrestler. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me of what's going on with cruiserweights in the nineties, you know, WCW kind of broke out and was the company that was, having the best cruiserweight wrestling and bringing in your Rey Mysterios and Psychosis and Liger and having all those great matches where WWE really struggled um, breaking through with their light heavyweight division. You know, they did bring in, you know, Kai and Tai and Taka, but 
it was definitely wasn't really a focus and it seemed like for whatever reason the WWF fans weren't really a big fan of the junior heavyweight wrestling during that time period whereas WCW they really broke through it was like kind of like with Noah or with the New Japan it was, the cruiserweight division was a real kind of highlight of WCW during that time period yeah, I, I agree. I think that's pretty similar similar approach just because, like you said, the, the light heavyweight division in WWF, that was kind of a reaction to WCW's because WCW's cruiserweight division was just so kick-ass. So it was almost like we have to get in the game, but it never felt like WWF's heart was in the light heavyweight game. And especially back then, I'm sure a lot of light heavyweight wrestlers didn't want to wrestle in that ring because it looked like a boxing ring. So yeah. there's a spring. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are flying around. Um, I think that it, it's, it's just a, that type of thinking is just, it's just been the way it's been. I think it's more of that than anything else. But I think if I, the junior division, I think it just, needs uh, maybe some booking shakeups and I think I also think it needs steady stars too because there's been a lot of people in and out the door stability has been one thing that's been that Noah hadn't had for a couple of years when it was switching management a lot and now two years in pandemics lifting up I hope to see more steady angles with a more established division both in junior heavyweight singles and tag so we'll see well, on the New Japan side, Taguchi, Wato, Tiger Mask, thats you, those are your stalwarts of, like, the Hantai side of things. And, you know, we know what to expect there. But I've heard some really great things about uh, Amas, Amakusa. Amakusa? Yep. How, how Amakusa. Amakusa. Amakusa and Juta um, Miyawaki and, and uh, Alejandro. So I'm almost kind based on their reputation, I'm actually kind of anticipating – the note because they're younger and maybe hungrier like Noah juniors to go out there and kind of um, show like try to show up the, the new Japan um, juniors. And maybe that will, you know, somewhat cause like those guys like, uh, you know, like tiger mask and Taguchi to put their working boots on and, you know, maybe step it up a little bit that night. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for this one. Keep an eye on a Cause he likes to do this, uh, running kind of Fosbury flop, but he does it through the ropes, not over the ropes. Hmm. He's huh. insane. He's like a bullet. He's like a bullet train, one-man bullet train. <laughs> nice. And uh, Tiger Mask on the New Japan side, I'm figuring he's probably going to eat the pinfall here, so probably a, a win for the Noah Juniors here. Um, and also, also in junior action, we'll have uh, El Esperado representing New Japan, taking on Yohei from Wrestling Noah. Justin, what can you tell us about Yohei? This is going to be very good. Yohei, he started out as Dragon Gate uh, wrestler, but he's one of the flashiest, high flyingest, uh, most colorful wrestlers. He's somebody that I would expect to see in New Japan. I could easily see him in LIJ compared with some other guys. He's very charismatic, and I think this is going to be a sleeper match of the show, him and Desperado. Desperado is probably in hitting his prime, I would say, right now. I think Desperado's been awesome past year and a half, two years. Um, I expect this to really kick ass, and I expect it to be one of the highlights of non-Congo match, non-Congo LIJ matches for sure. Yeah, Yohei's a guy that um, I've heard his name for years. I haven't seen a lot of him, but we did get to see him on last year's show, and I thought he was so much better than uh, Nosawa Rangai. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
and, and, you know, kind of stuck out to me. So seeing him against Desperado, who, you know, Despy sort of had just uh, an incredible year uh, this past year and really has tried in many different ways to branch out and face different juniors from different companies. And this kind of just lends itself more to that, uh, that effort. So this one should be really, really good. I, I don't see... And I could be wrong here. I don't see Desperado, even though he just recently lost the junior title. I don't see him taking a clean pinfall loss here, but anything's possible. My, my prediction is Despy picks up the win, but Yohei's a guy to look out for, for sure. This will be a good one. Yeah, it should be a super fun match. Yeah, I agree with Josh. I expect Desperado to get the win here. You know, there's a big shakeup with him right now with Suzuki Gun being disbanded. And it seems like he's going to be going in, um, you know, a different direction. They're going to be doing some different things with him this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I expect him to get the win here. And then the the main card will open up with Hiroshi Tanahashi, Toro Yano, and Satoshi Kojima, and Takashi Sagura taking on Marafuji, Kenta, El Fantasmo, and Gato. So a little mix-up here with some New Japan talent and wrestling Noah talent. We know uh, Kojima's been over in Noah. Uh, for the past year, he was the GHC champion. He's currently the tag team champions with Segura. And then uh, on the other side, you know, you have Marafuji and Kenta, who've been, a, they had a, a great tag team in Noah, and uh, they teamed up recently on a Noah show. And then, uh, you know, Kenta's a part of Bull Club, so representing Bull Club with him, you got El Fantasmo and Gato. So, an interesting little mix here. The way I see it, Basically, Kojima, Tanahashi, and Yano are now members of Segura Gun, and Marafuji's a you know BC for life. That's basically what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I do think it's going to be a strange mix, though, kind of like strange bedfellows, because um, yeah, you've got guys that have different ties and affiliations in different companies, but kind of loosely aligned here for the purpose of this match and. It's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, to the best of my knowledge, like Marafuji's not really working like over heel and Noah, but he's teamed with Bullet Club. And then, you know, you've got Sugira and Kojima who are teamed up with Yano and Tanahashi. And, you know, Yano's the master thief, but Tanahashi's Mr. You know, Ace. And it's, it's all wacky. <laughs> are your thoughts I'm looking one, forward. I want to see Kenta get into it with Sugira again. If you've seen the, the match they had uh, at Budokan, they, uh, it was yeah. testy. It was chippy. It was chippy between those two. I loved it. <laughs> and um, Sugira has referred to Kenta. Kenta's surname is Kobayashi, and Sugira, who was like his, his kind of senior when they were training together, and Noah, he'll still refer to him and call him Kobayashi-san. Like, uh, it's kind of a dig. It's kind of mm. like it's kind of like it disagrees, and we saw a couple weeks ago he slapped him right in the mouth. That was a huge, huge slap. Great way to open the match between Maruken and Taka and Satoshi. And I, I think that those combos, Marufuji, Kenta, Kojima, Sugira, that'll be great. Uh, Ghetto is involved with this. This is maybe where we see Ishimori pop out. I don't know. El Fantasmo, I'm sure we're going to see some crazy back rake action that <laughs> people will love. We're going to see... I wanted to see him against Tiger Mask because I always referred to El Fantasmo as the Tiger Mask back rakes. Um, and Yano will have tons of uh, DVDs available with him. I'm sure there'll be, so this will be, this will be some, some mischief, some fun, maybe some anger, 
maybe some rage, definitely some violence. But this, as an opener, I think it's cool. We'll definitely get stuff from this match that we most likely won't see on the rest of the card. ELP, yeah. the, the only uh, you know non-domestic talent on the show. Yeah, interesting. Is it? Very, that's a good call. Yeah, he's the only... Yeah, Alejandro is Japanese, despite his name. Um, Bushi, too. Um, to the best of my knowledge, everybody else is Japanese on the show. Yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's a good call. I didn't even look at that. Sometimes, well, except, uh, sometimes except, uh, I pick one up, you know? Except, uh, oh, there's also Oscar. Oscar. Yeah, there's this oh, Oscar. Oh, Oscar, he doesn't count. He's a lion, and <laughs> that's not even on the real show, so you know... <laughs> Oscar, you count. Don't worry. <laughs> I actually, I'm not familiar with this guy. If we want to go right to this match, because I've never seen him. Is he from? He's oh, he's not from he's, Australia. He's he's brand new. But Jeremy, did okay. you have any thoughts on that opener? Uh, I mean, Gato's in. I think Gato's going to uh, eat the pinfall there, probably from you know Segura to kind of give Noah a win there. But it should be a fun opener. But yeah, then in the pre-show, yeah, Tomohiro Ishii and Oscar Lube against Masaki Tamiya and Daiki Inaba. Uh, yeah, so Oscar Lube, he's a uh, recent, um, you know, coming out of the, the Nogue Dojo. He's been in some openers in New Japan recently. Really tall um, gentleman. And, yeah, I mean, he's been uh, pretty interesting to watch so far to see him mixing up with the current crop of young lions. He, he worked in WXW before this, before he joined the Nogue Dojo. In Germany? So he does, yeah. Huh? Yeah, in Germany. I think he is German. Um, cool. I could be wrong on that, but he's definitely European, and he's very tall. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. This is not, I think this is only, like, the second or third match he's actually had for New Japan. It says a lot for him to be in a such a big show in a match with you know, pretty established guys, especially with Ishii. I'm, I want to see Ishii and Masa Kitamiya very badly. If you're yes. not familiar with Kitamiya, he's the last disciple of Masa Saito, Mr. Saito. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even he, you can see it in his uh, long tights. He's got the Japan logo on it. He's, it's total ode to him. I want to start calling him Mr. Kitamiya, to be honest. <laughs> uh, and he's teaming up with Daiki Inaba. Inaba is a younger guy. He's not too young, but he, he was in Wrestle 1, and I think he's very talented. And him and Kitamiya are going to pursue the tag championships this year, I believe. So, Oh, and Kitamiya's catchphrase is go for broke, so I believe he'll go for broke in this match, especially with Ishii, they're going to beat on each other. Yeah, it should well, be one a thing. hard-hitting matchup. Ishii's not taking that pinfall one way or the other. That's all <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's, I don't know. Is this going to be on YouTube, uh, on the New Japan YouTube? I don't think so. I mean, as far as I understand, the show's going to be on pay-per-view on uh, New Japan World. They don't usually air the pre-show for free. They they just call it a pre-show and just air it as part of the pay-per-view. Um, oh, well, I, I mean, it's not really a pre-show then. It's just part of the show. <laughs> they haven't figured out the idea of, like, brought... I mean, but there's not... Anyone that's, like, going to be up to, to watch the show is just going to pay. There's not going to be anyone who's like, well, let me, you know, at like three o'clock in the morning, let, let me check it out on YouTube. <laughs> I, I, I just, I say that because Noah does that with some of their shows, especially recently. They put the first oh, couple they? show. Yeah. First couple shows live. And then because not every show is on wrestle universe. Some shows are like last week, there was a live stream on the Instagram, the Noah Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's on a Bama. In, but it's only in Japanese, so you can watch the Japanese 
one for free, but you got to wait a couple days on Wrestle Universe to get the English version. It's it's still a, a system everybody's trying to perfect, getting people to watch at the right times. And it's hard because we're in the states, and the time difference sucks a lot. Yeah, yeah. it's just the way <laughs> around it. I think it's a Bema or a Bema pay per view as well as whatever pay-per-view New Japan is going to be using on New Japan World. I think it's like... I think they use their own... Like, it's through New Japan World servers. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, yeah, you pay... I think it's like twenty nine ninety nine uh on top of your, uh, you know, nine ninety nine yen um, for the pay-per-view. Yeah. I think we'll see a lot of that going forward, both from NOAA and New Japan and other companies. The pay-per-view model is... Yeah, we'll see more of those. Yeah. Um, then the other uh, pre-show match, we have Kosei Fujita and Roy Oiwa taking on Yatsukaka Yano and tai, uh, Taishi Ozawa. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, yeah, this one, yeah, I was going to say, this one's interesting because last year we saw Kosei Fujita and Yano wrestle to a time limit draw. And so now we've got basically four Lions or four young guys, you know, mixing it up in tag action a year later. Oiwa, or excuse me, not Oiwa, uh, Taishi Ozawa, he actually just had his first match ever this past September, so he's very new. Um, big, tall, athletic guy, still green, but he's he's catching on quickly. And for him to be in a match only a couple months after his debut, I think that's promising. But yeah, uh, Yasutaka Yano is the more uh, experienced of the two. He's really talented, and he actually faced... Uh, Ozawa in the first match on the Budokan show a couple weeks ago. So if you're interested in watching those guys, they were in match number one at Budokan. Um, but yeah, we'll see all the. I got call them four lions. They, Noah doesn't have a name for their young guys now. It's so I'm saying the young lions and Noah's guys. Those young guys. <laughs> the Noah young, yeah, the, younglings. The, the young pistols. Right? Yeah. The, the dojo is, you know, it's back and it's established, and the Noah dojo is there to farm and cultivate new talent so these are the latest crops yeah so vegeta and oiwa are kind of the latest out of the nogue dojo kind of the two top guys from the the nogue dojo right now interesting thing with vegeta (laughs) yeah uh with vegeta he just recently uh joined tmdk with uh zach saber jr mikey nichols and shane hayes which is kind of the first really we never really see never see young lions joining a faction so He's kind of getting a little push there, you know, the whole directive from Bushi Road saying, you know, they want these guys kind of going through the dojo system faster, becoming stars faster. So starting to see that here with uh, Fujita kind of being a part of TMDK, being uh, Zack Sabre's personal uh, young lion. So that'll be a lot of fun. So I'm going to guess that him and Oiwa probably will get the win here because of that. I'm interested to see that. I think both Fujita and Oiwa are very talented. And uh, yeah. It's always good to see the young guys see where things will be going in the future. Yeah. Um, then we have um, a few questions here about listeners, um, Justin, and then we'll, we'll uh, get you out of here because I know you're all over the place this week with uh, media on <laughs> this show. Um, so first from Rambo and Slam Pig, he says, do you think the 121 show along with last year's Night 3 at Wrestle Kingdom are indicative of a plan to continue to do joint shows with Noah around Wrestle Kingdom each year? Or was it just a perfect storm with the Muta Retirement Show running in the same venue the following night? I think that will all depend on how it turns out this weekend. You know, I think 
I, I don't know why uh, it wasn't three days in a row. I don't know if Yokohama Arena was booked for something already, but um, yeah, it depends on how things go, how smoothly things run this weekend, how tickets sales are, and how people react to do New Japan fans really do they want the joint show or do they want more New Japan shows? So I think it would be great, but it really depends on the business of it and how it goes. So, but it, so far it seems like it's a thing that works out for everybody, for the fans, for both companies. I think the only thing that would really, the, the most difficult thing about this is like, how can international fans watch it or what's the best way? Mm. Cause there's, like, there's so many different ways, but it's like not everybody has the same situation. So going forward, that's always going to be one of the struggles is just what's the easiest, most convenient way to watch. When can I watch it? And will I be able to watch live without everything crashing? Yeah. Well, I, I would even go as far as to say, not that they don't want international fans watching, of course they do, but they haven't really gone out of their way to market this show to the international audience the way they did last year's Wrestle Kingdom Night 3. Like, they made a lot of efforts on social media and YouTube to really get the word out about this particular, you know, about last year's show. This time it kind of feels like it's more so marketed to just the domestic audience in general. And I'm sort of assuming that based on the fact that we've got top tier talent in the top two matches, that once those bangers come out and people are like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? That people are, there's going to be, be more of a demand internationally for, for people who maybe didn't see it. They're like, Oh, how do I watch this? And then maybe if there's a groundswell, then you, you, you kind of have your, you know, your foot in the door for that international audience because Right now, I mean, I would say most of our audience really has. There hasn't been a lot of like talk or chatter about this show in general, you know. Yeah. Well, it did kind of come together, at least public, just suddenly. It came like you know, January fourth was the the date to kind of aim for, but also coming from the business perspective of it, I think there's like a hesitancy on both sides. Just like how much promotion should we do? Because half of the roster on this card belongs to the opposing company. So mm -hmm. it's like how much, how much will new Japan promote Noah and how much will Noah promote new Japan? There's kind of like, it's not something that's completely out in the air, but it's something that I think everybody feels it's kind of like, where's the cutoff? Because right. I don't want to sit here doing work for, technically what's you know opposition company there's the from the business side of it you're thinking and it's kind of like there's there's no real line drawn yet and i think everybody's you know hesitant to go crazy with the promotion because it's a 50 50 sort of event and yes. if we started doing that would that mean new japan would have to help promote the noah show next day which you're not and that's totally fine it gets a little more politically like what well, should we vice do? Vice versa, New Japan has a big show the next day as well, and right, you know, same thing. So I think that's why it's mo focused more on like a domestic. They're pushing it to, in, in, to Japanese fans because they're the ones who are going to be buying or going to the show. It's for them. Hey, if people really want to watch, it's available. But we're going to see how it goes first. I, I think these are baby steps into hopefully something cool or continuous down the future and uh yeah we'll just have to see it's a good question though because 
there's really no straightforward way to answer it because like how much does company a want to help company B and how much, how much do you help the show and how much like I'm sure new Japan has a bigger platform. There more people watch that. If there are talents from another company on the show and they do lots of promotion for it, are they just giving free promo away? I understand that too. And vice versa. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know if there's any specific reason, but I've I've felt like, a, well, in this case, should I do this thing because it's connected to them, and it's kind of like mm, nobody's come out right. Like, don't do anything. That's it's not like that. It's right. more like, what do we do actually? Well, I literally it. thought about that today, and I was like, well, we don't work for New Japan, so I guess it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, but also, also technically, because of that, like that little bit of relationship through Bima, it's mm. kind. Of, it's not like it would be different if we we're talking all Japan, or if we're talking like CM, not CMLL. They have some somewhere else that doesn't have a, a working, a clear working deal with New Japan. But there's. There's uh, more to gain from everyone if everybody plays the game. You know what I mean? Right. Because of that little bit of a, not an alliance, but there's a little bit of a connection, and the shows will be, you know, watched by similar people. New Japan sometimes runs pay-per-views through Abema. I think they did that last year. So mm. like, so sometimes the channel will get involved, and the that might color how things are promoted. So. It's not as clear cut, and hopefully by next year I'll have a better answer. Nice. He also asks, are there any recommended matches for the Congo guys to get viewers less familiar with Noah up to speed? And what about Yohei? Uh, for matches, I would definitely check out the Budokan show from January 1st. And that's a great way to familiarize yourself with most of the wrestlers that will be on this card. Uh, and the doubleheader shows at Korokan last week, um, Sunny Voyage, and uh, reboot, and that also had the Jake Lee debut and a couple of the shuffle tag team matches um, for Congo. Also, that match I mentioned with uh, Hajime Ohara and Shuji Kondo versus Atsushi Kotoge and Seiki Oshoka. That's a great junior heavyweight tag team title match from November. I think it was November 11th. Um, any of Kano's matches with Kaito Kiyomiya. Kaito's match with, uh, excuse me, Kano's match with uh, Hideki Suzuki, uh, the 30-minute draw they had, N1. Um, any of Kaito Kiyomiya's singles main event matches are great to watch, too. For Yohei, um, if you're really interested in Yohei, I, I watch his matches when he was in the tag team called the Retels with Hayata, who was recently injured a couple months ago. but And he was former GHC junior heavyweight champion as well. And, yeah, he was more of a tag team wrestler, but he's pretty wild. And he was in Dragon Gate a long time ago, too. So all kinds of stuff. Any of the latest Noah and Wrestle Universe is probably the best way to go, though. Flip through, check out who you like, Check type in Congo, and check on what's been posted. Nice. Those uh, are the best ways. Uh, questions from Wiz Factors. As compared to last year, do you see the possibility of a NJPW cross-Noah collaboration outside of one Yokohama show in January. 
We kind of answered that. Yeah, yeah. That, that'll depend on what happens this weekend. Yeah, and like maybe maybe there will be. I don't know. It depends. Will, will Naito lose and suddenly end up in Noah? Who knows? Yeah. Now, now the one thing I will, the one thing I will add to this now. Um, far be it for me to suggest that there's a working relationship here because that does not seem to be the case at all. But there is kind of a strange thing where, like, this past year, New Japan, for whatever reason, has allowed certain talents to go work for Noah. And, I mean, the stars have just kind of aligned. I mean, we've seen, um, you know, Kenta and Kojima spent a lot of time there and uh, Tanahashi and a couple other guys just, you know, randomly appear there. And obviously there's been, like, a lot of, like um, – kind of reports of like the tensions between you know bushy road and you know uh cyber agent but at the same time with this kind of a bema thing that's going on there has been there have been opportunities especially with the muto retirement for various new japan guys to go to noah so i mean i don't think that the door is totally totally closed on collaborations yeah i think we'll see it's hard to say yeah, we've seen with Obari, he's been more open to working with mm-hmm. other promotions domestically, um, which was kind of uh, kind of a shift with that um, shift in uh, leadership there. So yeah, I definitely think we potentially could see more. So like you were saying, Justin, if it makes money, if the, if it draws a crowd, like there's probably room to do more of these kind of shows. Um, Hawaiian Punch uh, BV asks, with LIJ and Congo invading shows, is this the favorite feud of the year, even though they'll probably be competing against each other only in one show this year? Yes. Maybe. I don't know. Um, the, probably. I, it really, again, this is another one that depends on what happens this weekend and if they, they meaning the talent and the companies choose to arrange something where we see more of it. Yeah, I think a lot of our questions are like, do you guys think they're going to keep working together or not? Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of, like they're not going to tell anybody that until the show, uh, and especially if it's with me. If if I don't need to know, I won't be informed because I don't need to know. And that's just how it goes. A lot of the wrestlers sometimes don't even know what's going on until when it's announced. So. Yeah, look at look at uh, the WWE's bought by Saudi Arabia situation. <laughs> well, that's a little bit different. That's a little bit different. <laughs> but uh, yeah, different system in Japan. So, but I, I think a lot of these kinds of answers, like if you're wondering about the future, watch what'll happen, and that will indicate where it goes. I think that's been this case, not just with New Japan and Noah, but a lot of Japanese promotions. It's pretty straightforward once it's laid out. But to guess without any other information, it's kind of hard. It's just speculation. Yeah. Also asked, are there any low-key matchups between LIJ and Congo that you would have liked to have seen? Shingo Takagi versus Suji Kondo would have been interesting due to their similar similar backgrounds as Power Juniors under the Dragon System. Surprisingly, they've never had a singles match. Um, Low-key matchups between LIJ and Congo that I've liked to have seen... I would like to have seen something like uh, maybe they could have used a extra Congo and L. Well, there aren't any extra Lij members, so yeah, there, there's a uh, Teton. Teton uh, is he available? <laughs> well, if he's available, uh, not, not really, but yeah, we can uh, fantasy book him. So yeah, I, I don't know if he, if we had to take the show apart and rebook it. Um, 
No, I don't have any like <laughs> low. I, I would switch maybe the the semi main and main around. Maybe Nakajima and Naito and Takagi and Kano. That would be good too. But I wouldn't say that's low key either. That's pretty. That's pretty high key. <laughs> but the the only thing I would say for me is like I'm a um, diehard Masakatsu Funaki fan. So like, nice. oh hell yeah. <laughs> well, so if we could. If we could have got like Funaki and uh, not saying that I'd rather see this than the um, than the Nakajima match because that's not the case. But if there's one, if there's a way we could see him in like Shingo or him in Naito or even him in like I don't know like Hiromu, that would be sick. You know? I oh, actually, you know what? The best Maki one would probably be him Suzuki. and Sonata. I want Minoru Suzuki and Funaki to end it. So oh, like what? Well, like the, they, they when one of them wants to retire. When one of them yeah. was, you could do a blow off. I was gonna say they did. They did sort of end it in that cage match. Yeah, Ben. <laughs> I remember that. Um, um, Funaki had a great, great match with Nakajima over the summer in the N one. I would say it was Funaki's best pro wrestling style match. Like he's really gotten it. He, yeah. It, those two are great together. If you like that kind of stuff, on the Noah show the next day, January twenty second. There's a GHC martial arts rules match, which is basically like UWFI rules. Uh, Kazushi Sakuraba versus Hideki Suzuki. It will be like a point system match. Don't worry about that. We're we're about to get a a karate match between Great Okan and Shingo. They're gonna wear geese. It's gonna be great. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, I really enjoyed. It's gonna be better than that UWFI stuff. <laughs> no, I enjoyed Okan and Toriano's wrestling match. Yeah, I, I did too, and a lot of people didn't like it, but I loved it. I thought it was good because they're both. Yano is a very, very good. He's a celebrated wrestler. Like he was an amateur beast. Who he did? Was, um, who did? Who had the uh, the sumo style KOPW match? That was Tai Chi and Yano. Tai Chi and Yano, yeah. I like that too. Still using his uh, sumo technique. He's still using his. <laughs> Shidashi or whatever he does. He does he does that little hip throw. I like that. But now that I've thought a little bit more about it, I do think Sonata and Funaki could like rule. It could be great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Marifuji. I, I would like to see a singles Marifuji match on this card. Marifuji's unique because he's somebody like from from New Japan, like a Kojima or a Minoru Suzuki, who I could easily see popping in and out without it's not a big deal to the company, but mm. it's Marfuji, you know, he's established and there's all, so him popping up in new Japan, maybe with Kenta, but you got to remember, he does have one pinfall over Okada in that G1 a couple of years ago. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That so, what a great match. Well, I'm, I'm excited for him and Tanahashi to square off again in that, that eight man. It's gonna be so good. Yeah. Um, okay, okay, eight ninety says, "What wrestlers are you gonna miss not being on this card?" For me, it's the newly reunited TMDK, considering they all came up in Noah and Osprey because he mentions a possible Marufuji match whenever asked about his dream opponents. I'd love to have uh, TMDK involved in this somehow, or even Suzuki Goon, but Suzuki Goon's not around anymore. So, yeah, but I think TMDK is just—I think they're based in states now, so I, I don't know or. I don't know where they're based, but I don't think they're based in Japan. So I think it was just maybe harder to get them when you can get lots of local guys. But that would have been really cool. Are, and, there, any, are there any big Noah omissions that are not featured here that you 
you know, thought would have been cool to have on the show. No great Muta. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I think most everybody is represented. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming I'm trying to think, uh, you know, the, some of the people that are with Noah, they're not like a Hideki Suzuki or Masaki Mochizuki. They're regulars right. in Noah, but they're not necessarily, they're not Noah, necessarily. or they're not like a, a Noah contract person. They're just a regular freelancers. Right. Like it would be great to have Hideki Suzuki on it, but it is the I don't know what the details of his contract are like, so I don't know if right. could, you know what I mean. So, or having somebody like a Timothy Thatcher or Jack Morris get involved that would be cool. But um, Ninja Mac, Ninja Mac, yeah. <laughs> but I I think the reason some of those guys aren't on the show is because they're being saved to the show the next day. Mm. So I, I think. If Noah wasn't running a show the next day, I think maybe the the makeup of this car would be a lot different. They do not want to bring Ninja Mac to one of these cards. They bring Ninja Mac to the card, and I promise you, Liger gets his eyes on him. And they're gonna try to poach that man, bring him well, in for Super Junior. Li- Liger's Liger's already saw him. him. Yes. Oh, I was. I didn't know. That. I was just joking. Liger does Liger did <laughs> commentary. Did commentary. Yeah, he did commentary in the Budokan show for Noah. Oh, well, you know what? Times. As soon as he saw that, like the wheels were like spinning in his head he's like how can i get this man into a, a, t- a best of the super juniors how is this possible <laughs> Uto was a big fan in the match ninja mac was with him and jack morris i think it was fukuoka he was enamored with ninja mac so because he rules yes ninja <laughs> mac is awesome. <laughs> uh, i want to see that in the master watso that's the way to the grandmaster right there mm. <laughs> yeah, that could be fun um, also says here, do you think there's a possibility given Nakajima KOing two of his opponents last year, one being DDT's ace, that he shoots on Shingo? Would New Japan have assured that both Noah and Nakajima would get punished if that happens? Uh, I don't know how to answer this. I would say, like, these guys have worked together a lot in the past, and I, I don't see what the benefit would be for him to ever do something like that at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't I don't think he would intentionally try to shoot on Chingo. Could an accident happen? Sure. I mean, it's, it's pro wrestling. Things happen all the time, but I don't think he would intentionally try to go into business for himself and shoot on Chingo and try to cause this big controversy. I'll, I can say this. Nakajima was never really like in trouble f- for anything mm-hmm. without saying much else. Gotcha. That's that. So I don't expect anything like that, especially on a big show like this. I think it, and especially Takagi can handle himself. He'll be just fine. Yeah. If, if anything were to happen, but I think it's, it's totally fine. Then last a couple questions here from front of the show, Zach Porter. Is there someone on the Noah sh- no aside, you both expect to have a breakout moment a la Itamora last year. Hopefully, maybe Amaksa or Junta Miyakawa, uh, Miyawaki, excuse me, because uh, in the junior uh, matches, maybe Tadasuke will impress some people in his match with Bushi. Uh, I think anybody that you're not familiar with from Noah on the show, they're going to try to steal it in their position if they can. So, um, And keep an eye on Yohei. Yohei and Desperado could be a sleeper match of the show. It really could be out of this world. They're both they're quite different, but they're both very innovative and creative and fun to watch. 
So that could be a cool sleeper too. And it's cool because Yohei is not exactly associated with those Congo or he's not in a program with Kiyomiya or anything. He's kind of, he was doing, he had the junior tag titles with KG from Dragon Gate recently. Nice. So, uh, yeah, he, he does uh, more tag team stuff. So keep an eye on Yohei too. Yeah. Then our last question from Zach. Is there someone from either promotion you're disappointed not to be on the show? I was sad to see that Yoshioka didn't make it to a junior match. Well, Yoshioka just won the tag team scramble shuffle title with Nakajima last week, so he's good. I, I think he's going to be He's part of the next show again. Like Some of the people that aren't on the show, they're on the Noah show the next day. So if you do like him, watch Noah tomorrow or the next day. But uh, sad to see. I mean, I'm happy that everybody that got on the show is on the show. I'm trying to think of, um, like I said, there's a lot of cool talent. Like, I'd love to see Masato Tanaka on the show, but he's not necessarily Noah talent. He's 0-1, but he's right. Tanaka, so he goes wherever the hell he wants, just like right. Minoru Suzuki. So I'd love to see some of those guys. Like, I can always watch uh, Masato Tanaka. I don't know if you've seen him recently, but he's still freaking awesome. He's amazing, just unreal. Doing the deathmatch stuff, doing the regular hardcore style, beating the crap out of each other, elbows in the face style stuff. He's fine. Just had twins. No problem. <laughs> yeah, I think from a New Japan side, I think it's definitely lacking United Empire representation. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see, you know, like somebody mentioned Osprey Marifuji, um, you know, Catch 2-2, Throw in the Mix, Jeff Cobb, Great O'Conn, Aaron Hanare. You know, any of those United Empire guys um, getting in the mix, I think, here would have been a lot of fun. I I agree. The only thing for me is, like, on the New Japan side, this is such a domestic, you know, um, focused show that I just don't see the sense in bringing in a lot of the, uh, you know, um, international talent realistically. You know what I mean? It's a way to protect those guys, too. They don't lose any face and they don't get involved. And they keep their status in the eyes of the fans. Right. The, the, the one the one omission for me is probably Zach, but there's not a good way to bring Zach on unless you're bringing on TMDK as a whole. And, you know, I don't think mm. there's space for them. I'd yeah. have loved – actually, actually, I got to pull back. I'd have loved to see Zach and Chris Ridgway. Mm. Yeah. that would uh, Chris Ridgway, if you're not familiar with him, he's awesome. Usually he's been very regular with Noah. He was former – junior heavyweight tag team champion and um boy he'd be a perfect match for someone like zach chris ridgeway is great i didn't realize he was working for noah i mean i know more from like the brit wrestling but yeah he's really really good uh thatcher tim thatcher has been more regular there these days him and jack morris uh jack morris and jake lee are now a team so maybe we'll see more of them but i hope to see those uh, less regular Noah guys and newer Noah guys, maybe we'll see them sometime next year if they do it again. That would be cool if they're still around. Nice. Well, uh, Justin, thanks so much for uh, joining us for this part of the show to cover Wrestling Them 17 and give listeners a little bit of background on Pro Wrestling Noah. Go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you online and get any of your uh, plugs in. All right. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K N I P P E R. Uh, on Fight Game Media, free feed on Spotify and Apple and all that good stuff. Uh, my podcast, Write That Down with Fumi Saito, every week, usually on Thursdays. Um, we often talk about, we do like, historical profiles. Last week, we talked about Johnny Powers. If you're a 
hardcore New Japan completist, you'll want to check that one out because Johnny Powers is who Antonio Inoki beat for that beautiful Eagle NWF title, if you remember that, the kind of iconic one. We talked a little bit about Johnny Powers, who recently passed away. Uh, this weekend, of course, there's Wrestle Kingdom 17 in Yokohama. There's also Bye Bye Muta, hashtag Bye Bye Muta at the same arena with Great Muta and Sting and Darby Allen taking on Akira Nogami and Hakushi and now Michi Marufuji. So I hope Marufuji, you know, it's funny. He's in the, one of the opening matches on the Wrestle Kingdom show, and he's in the main event on the next show the next night. And that show is going to be, you can get it on Wrestling Universe, but you can also get it on Fight, Fight TV uh, as pay-per-view. So it will have English commentary as well. So I think that's it. So thanks, guys, for having me. And continue on. There's a lot of work to be done. A lot of new... I, I always I marvel at how many shows New Japan actually does during the year compared to some of the other companies. It's busy. Oh, yeah. Even with there's a <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> yeah, they cut right. the shows out. <laughs> yeah, but thanks we, for having we, me, guys. Yeah. We appreciate you coming on here because no without your expertise and help, it would just be us being like, all right, so we know these New Japan guys, and they're fighting some dudes from Noah. Um, what does Wikipedia say? <laughs> yeah, there's some story to it. There's a little bit of story to it, and I'm I'm hoping that I th- I think it's gonna be interesting. I think it just feels fresh. It feel and I think New Japan needs something fresh. Noah needs something fresh. It's just feels like it. Why not? You know. Before we go, mm. where's Go? <laughs> she was on her. Yeah, he he'd had surgery again. Yeah, he he did appear at one of the. Uh, um, he was at what was it? I forget which show it was, but he was back and saying he's back. But he but he's coming back from injury. Hey, I, he he was injured. He had surgery, but there is mm-hmm. this weekend. Uh, there's Tokyo Dome next month. I I don't know. So okay, he's alive. Like- he's well. But because uh, I, I was trying, to, I was trying to think. I was like, I know there's someone else in this company that I love that's not here, and I'm like, oh, it's go. What am I thinking? Of course. <laughs> After uh, that, he lost the title to uh, Muto. I know he left was and needed surgery. I think it was knee surgery, and he came back and then had to leave again. So uh, injuries are adding up. But hey, you never know. Maybe we'll see him sooner than later. I know he's doing just fine. At the moment, but I don't know if he's ring ready, but... What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. We will announce it as soon as we know. I know people have been asking about it. He's been gone for a while. Nice. Well, yep. Justin, thanks again for uh, joining us, and we'll, we'll talk to you later, man. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Yep. All right, Josh. Well, we still got some uh, New Japan to talk about. Uh, like we mentioned, New Beginning in Nagoya is the next day. After now that we got all that Noah out of the way. <laughs> now they've got the, the Noah trash uh, out of the way. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm glad Justin came on, and I'm really looking forward to that show. But, uh, yeah, um, it, it's gonna be, it, we're going into a busy, busy time after having several weeks off. All of a sudden, like we're getting a lot of shows here. 
Yeah, so uh, New Beginning in Nagoya will be on Sunday. It's going to be a cheering event. Um, essentially, a, a one-match card here. Uh, show open up will have... Toby. That's not true. There's seven matches on this show. There's seven matches, but only one really important match. Uh, all, but all these matches will be building up to the other bigger New Beginning matches on the tour. The show will open up with uh, Togi Makabe and Toriano against Oscar Lube and Yuto Nakashima. Then we'll have El Sparado. Whoa, what are you doing? You don't want to break this down? <laughs> no. What are you doing? No? Nope. Uh, I thought we were doing a 2018 show where we discuss every match. <laughs> Young Lions are eating the L here. They're going to hit that, that King Kong <laughs> knee drop. I uh, disagree. I think Yano is going to get rolled up by Yuto Nakashima. <laughs> Really fast tracking these lines. <laughs> yeah, there's been a change of management and a change of direction in this company. Okay, <laughs> Oscar Lube is dropping that big leg on Togi Makabe. One, two, three. <laughs> uh, after that, we'll have El Esperado, Minoru Suzuki, Ren Narita, and Tomioka Hanma taking on the House of Torture. And of course, this is building up um, an eventual never six man uh, title match. They're having a non title match later on in the tour, but. I'm assuming that you know, Death Beast... I thought that was for the title. That's not for the title. On NJPW1972.com, it's not listed as a title Why? match. I don't <laughs> what know. What are we doing? I don't know. I guess That I title ha- hasn't been defended in months and months. There's I, no reason. I guess they have to prove themselves as a team first. I, I don't know what the deal is, but... For the never title? <laughs> You gotta prove yourself to to challenge for the lowest title in the entirety. That's like being like you have to prove yourself before you can challenge for the twenty four seven title. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, there's there's no track record for, for Despi Suzuki Narita together, so you know. So what? It's, <laughs> remember when um Yano and the fucking Briscoes came together? Did they have to prove themselves before they challenged for the Never Six Man? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> I, I liked how you said, of course. You, you're like, of course this is previewing. And I was thinking to myself, of course it's previewing what? I don't know what this is previewing. And then you like t- reminded me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's happening. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then after that, Goto, Ishii, Yoshihashi will team with Roy Oiwa to take on TMDK. So first time, Vegeta will be teaming up with uh, Nichols Haste and Zack Sabre. This is building up the Zack Sabre Ishii TV title match coming up and the Nichols and Haste versus Bishamon tag team title match coming up later on the tour. Uh, Then we'll have Tanahashi, Jado, and Master Wato taking on ELP, Kenta, and Taiji Ishimori. I think we're getting a Tanahashi-Kenta match. Uh, later in the tour, so we, we are. Yeah. We have a special singles match between them. Yeah, so that'll be the build up there. Then we'll have United Empires, Aaron Hanare, Francisco Akira, TJP, and Will Osprey taking on just four guys. That's Doki, Taichi, Taka, and Kanamaru. So that's building up. You don't have to remind us who the four guys are. We all know who the <laughs> just four guys are. If, if you're a listener of this show and at this point you don't know who just four guys are, I, I implore you turn off. Download the shows, but stop listening because it's not for you. You don't know who the just four guys are at this point. Oh man, but yeah, this is previewing uh, Osprey and Taichi will be having a special singles match on this tour, and Catch Two Two will be defending their junior tag team titles against Doki and Kanamaru later on in the tour. 
And then uh, semi-main event, we'll have Okada and Yo teaming up with Taguchi and Umino to take on the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu Sonata, and Naito. So previewing Naito and Umino, they'll be happening later on in the tour, and Hiromu will be defending his junior title against Yo later on in the tour. Then, of course, Okada is feuding with uh, Shingo right now, who will be in the main event, so Okada will mix it up with the LIJ uh, guys there And then in the main event For the evening We will have the provisional KOPW title match As the provisional champion Shingo Takagi will take on the challenger Great Ocon. And when we uh, stopped recording last week They announced the stipulations For this match And the voting went underway On the Twitter polls Did, did, you, did you watch this press conference? I didn't watch it. I did see the pictures. Ocon had all his uh, trophies uh, out there. Bro, even though you know everything that's happening, I'm telling you, go watch this press conference. We were lucky enough. I've been complaining for a few weeks now that they've been putting out some of these press conferences without English translation. Well, someone had enough foresight and goodwill to think maybe the English fans might want to see this. And trust me, if you ha- even if you've read... The, um, the breakdown of the comments on NJP, NJPW1972.com or if you've seen the recaps or you've seen this, the, the photos, it does not do it justice. You have to watch this press conference. It's like 18 minutes. This is quite literally, in my opinion, the best New Japan press conference since the time when Hiromu brought chicken to <laughs> Will Ospreay before their junior title match like six years ago or five years ago or whatever that was. This is was incredible. This man, this man Okan has so many trophies and medals and belts, and he's just like laid back. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and then there's just Shingo on the other side with the KOPW title. And um, I I, I got to tell you, like Okan, he's done a lot of cool things character wise. You know what I mean? Like he's a great promo. He's a really interesting character. In in kayfabe and out of kayfabe, you know what I mean? Like even like his heroicism or his exploits when he was in America, when he's wowing out in in Las Vegas. Like there's just a lot of like layers there. Very interesting guy. But um, we don't get to. I don't think I've ever seen him too much in a press conference setting. And so to hear him like have long form like you know press conference like storytelling sort of thing. Like he's so good, bro. Like, he's so, so good. He reminds me of one of my best friends from college who is infuriating to <laughs> argue with. Like we, like, we had a friend group in college, like the four of us. And, um, you know, like when you're in a friend group, there tends to be, like, sometimes, like, the person that sort of gets picked on the most and you try to avoid being that person. Well, he's the one that likes to be the person that picks on whoever it is. And you, you just you, – you try to stay out of his, like – scope of like because once he centers in on you and you you get into like a debate or an argument it's so infuriating because even if he's wrong or right it doesn't matter like he just finds a way to like with wordplay and like his attitude and like his dismissiveness to just in like get under your skin and like get at you and that's what okan was doing to shingo this entire like press conference and he was like yeah you said um you know you didn't want a trophy but uh I have all these trophies here in front of me. And I want you to know that uh, 
a trophy is not a bad thing, Shingo. <laughs> 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 and he's like, he's like, he's like, I mean, we're, and I love how he says we, like he uses the royal we. Right, yeah, he's been to, doing that in like, promos, yeah. He's like, we are so acclaimed, whether it be judo, kickboxing, boxing, savat, kempo, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, amateur wrestling. (laughs) He just goes on and on and on. And then, like, Shingo will be like, get to the point. What are you trying to say? (laughs) And then he was like, what are you trying? Like, he's like, he's like, you said that you didn't want KOPW, but then you you backtracked the next day, and then you said you didn't want a belt, but now you have a belt, but you say the belt doesn't matter, you know, because it's not the actual title. But he's like, we have all of these prizes. And he was like, what, what what is going on with you? You're you're talking in circles. He's like you're the one who's been talking in circles. I'm <laughs> I'm focused. <laughs> it, it was so so good, but like it made sense why, and and I'm sure you're gonna tell everybody what the stipulations are. But when he explained how acclaimed he is at all of these different like martial arts, it made sense why he was like advocating for the rules that he was as opposed to like the rules that Shingo was advocating for, you know? Right. And so, yeah, so uh, Shingo had proposed the 30 count fall match, which he did with Tai Chi uh, last spring. And then Ocon requested a mixed martial arts rules match where both competitors would have to wear geese and it would be KO TKO or submission only for the victory. And so that went out on the Twitter poll and uh, there was 29,617 votes casted worldwide. Uh, Shingo had 11,625 with 39.3% of the votes. Ooh, that's a little too short. That's a little. That's not enough, Shingo. It's yeah. not enough. So overwhelming victory. Great Ocon, 17,992 votes, 60.7% of the votes. So Ocon has won the poll. So Sunday it will be contested under mixed martial arts rules. Both guys have to wear a gi. The the arguments between them were hilarious because like Shingo's like I don't understand why do you want to fight in a martial arts fight if we're wrestlers we should fight in wrestling in wrestling and then he was like and then um, Okan's like are you saying that martial arts isn't part of wrestling are you saying that these arts aren't what comprise wrestling like what are you talking about and he's like no I'm just saying like we should have a, we should have a real wrestling match and he was like you're trying to have a match where nobody can get submitted. You are trying to avoid my submission prowess. <laughs> he was like, he was like, you would run from submission masters like Sonata and Zack Saber Jr. and myself. He was like, you're you're a coward. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, you've already done that rule before. He was like, yeah, but it was a really good rule. That's what like kicked off the whole genesis of like KOPW <laughs> being raw. And he was like, fuck that. We're doing martial arts. <laughs> Well, we got, uh, the fans wanted. The fans got the vote there, and also uh, per. And I would like to say that I was one of the proud individuals. I used my voice on the Keeping It Strong style um, official <laughs> Twitter to let everybody know that they should vote for this. And uh, there's a lot of people that disagreed with me, but there was um, seventeen thousand nine hundred and ninety-two individual, no, ninety-one individuals that also agree with me. Jeremy, how did you vote on your personal? Um, Twitter, I, I voted for the 30 count falls. On, oh for, my for, for God. Shingo. Uh, you know, I was only trying to see the Enochism. Uh, I was trying to it's see not going to be Enochism. <laughs> this is going to be a karate. Game. This is not MMA. I don't know whether call, you know, what's funny. They're calling it MMA, but we know it's not going to be fought like an MMA. Right. Fight. It's yeah. going to be, 
It's going to be some sort of crazy karate combat thing where they're wearing... It's going to be weird. Yeah, it's going to be... I mean, it sounds like... I think it's going to end up being somewhat of a regular wrestling match with just TKO, KO, or submission um, as the way to win. No pinfalls. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Shingo also said that if Okan stipulation won, that if Okan beats Shingo, he will be the number one contender for the IWGB World Heavyweight Championship and take his place uh, facing well, off against Okada. I'm a little confused about that because he said that if his stipulation won, he would put his title shot on the line. Right. But his stipulation didn't win. I think he said, I thought he said that if Okan stipulation won, that he would allow Okan to have the ability to also get the contendership. Okay, I might have misunderstood it. I was reading. I was reading it as though if if Shingo's mm. stipulate like he was adding some juice to the squeeze, weren't being like, all right, well if they vote for my stipulation, then I'll put my title shot in the line. And then Okan was like, the fuck you mean? Like you're trying to entice people to like you know? He's like, so my people, so my fans have to vote for your rules for me to beat you to get a title shot. That's ridiculous. So like I don't know. I don't yeah. know if that's what's really happening or. Yeah, I'm not sure. There was some, yeah, this was from uh, NJPW 1972, so I don't know if they misunderstood the press conference or what happened there. But It doesn't matter because Shingo's not losing either way. So. <laughs> right, yeah, Shingo is going to win here and roll on to, to face uh, Okada later on. Well, hey, I'll say this. Shingo is about to be probably undoubtedly, like unless something crazy happens, he's going to be wrestler of the month. I can't imagine how he wouldn't be because, I mean, Winning, you know, being in that four-way for the Rumble, and then winning the Rumble, and then beating Shingo, and then also probably beating Nakajima in a match the year contender, and then probably having another top-tier match with Okada, it's going to be difficult for anybody to, like, beat this dude when it comes to Wrestler of the Month for January. I don't know. I mean, Will Ospreay's facing um, Taichi. That could be pretty raw. That's true. That's true. And he already had, you know, the... Six and a quarter mat star matchup for Kenny. So, if that exists, I I only recognize five star matches, <laughs> but yes, the five star match with Oka- with Kenny, yes. <laughs> so yeah, so that's a uh, new beginning in Nagoya. So next week we'll come back and review that, and there'll, there'll be several uh, Road Two shows happening after that that we'll talk about next week. Yeah, they they also went ahead and announced the upcoming uh, dates and several matches for the rest of the New Beginning tour. I guess we'll jump probably – is that on the run sheet or are we probably going to jump into that later? Yeah, it's not on the run sheet this week. I it, figured as we got closer to those shows, we just uh, preview those shows. But kind of like we mentioned in the preview, there are several big matches coming up uh, for you know junior tag titles, Catch 2-2 defending against uh, Doki and Kanamaru, Okada and Shingo. Um, basically every title is on the line in this tour. Yeah, except the the U.S. title for now. Um, oh, up? yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, you know, the loser, loser leaves uh, Japan match of Hikaleo and Jay White, which is getting a lot of talk right now because there's several stories. Oh, WWE's interested in Jay. They're interested in Tam. They're interested in Hikaleo. So a lot of, uh, you know, interesting things happening with that matchup as well. I used to believe in the media when it came to pro wrestling. And then this past week, they failed me. They told me that WWE was sold to Saudi Arabia. And, uh, <laughs> Dude, that was a crazy. That was a crazy day. Yeah, that was a crazy night. Yeah, like so many eyeball emojis <laughs> of like, oh, it's imminent. The news is dropping soon. 
Aren't you glad that we didn't do any like uh, breaking news, emergency rate audio? <laughs> I know, yeah, like, yeah, because everybody's like, yeah, we should we do an emergency podcast? So let's hop on, let's you know break down, let's, let's talk about what's happening. I'm like, man, I'm about to go to sleep. Uh, it was like eleven o'clock at night. I'm like, I'm bro, going to sleep. sleep too. <laughs> Woke up, company not sold. <laughs> Uh, All right. So, anyways, so um, this past week we had New Japan Strong Nemesis Saturday, January fourteenth, eight p.m. Eastern on New Japan World. We had three matches. We had Mascara Dorada as he defeated Che Cabrera seven minutes and twenty-one seconds. Second match of the night: David Finley, Eddie Kingston, and Homicide defeated Bobby Fish and Team Filthy members Danny Limelight and Tom Waller nine minutes and forty seconds. And I think Bobby Fish maybe Team Filthy. I don't know. And then um, the main event was uh, big, meaty men slapping meat as Jeff Cobb defeated Bad Dude Tito, 7 minutes and 33 seconds. This was a pretty eventful episode of Strong. A lot happened here. And uh, Jeremy, what were your thoughts on the episode and you know some of these matches? Yeah, I thought it was a really good episode. Opened up with the kind of cold open with Kevin Kelly and um, what's his name? Uh, why am I blanking on his name right now? Um, Filthy Tom Waller. Yeah, I was trying to think of Kozlov, uh, but they they were interviewing Filthy Tom, and Tom was you know let a challenge out the homicide for Battle in the Valley. Filthy rules, no ropes, no rules. Um, so that'll be the match for a uh, Battle in the Valley. Filthy Tom versus Homicide, which, which sounds like basically Bloodsport, but at the same time, Bloodsport does have rules, and I guess this doesn't have rules. So it's essentially like I don't know, mixing in like a. Bloodsport style match with like probably a way so homicide can still use a fork. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Tom was like, let's let's do a blood sport match. Homicide's like, can I stab you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know what's funny? They already had a blood sport match and it was pretty good. Yeah. And I think he did use the fork in that match. If I I don't know, I I might be wrong on that, but I do remember them. You know, I didn't love the match, and I think part of the reason I didn't love the match is because I think he did use the fork, but, like, our friends liked the match a lot, which tells me he probably did use some sort of foreign object, but... Yeah. So, they've already they've already had a similar style match in the past, so they got some experience here. Yeah, so that was the kind of the cold opening, laying that challenge out. Then, yeah, Dorada and Che Cabrera, uh, fun little match there. Um, Dorada gets to win with that springboard elbow drop. Picks up some momentum there. And the second match was uh, pretty heated as we saw this continuation of the feud with uh, Team Filthy and Homicide and uh, Eddie Kingston and David Finley. Uh, We know David Finley has challenged Bobby Fish for Battle in the Valley. That'll be on the pre-show for Battle in the Valley. Then, like we mentioned, Homicide and Tom have their issues going on. And then, of course, Eddie Kingston, you know, boys at Homicide has kind of been involved in this feud as well. It's really a heated uh, matchup. A A lot of hate flowing around here and... You know how Kingston gets down, and uh, this was a really fun kind of wild matchup. Things were just happening all over the place, and uh, it was definitely your typical. I mean, if you've watched New Japan for a long time, you know what their multi-man match layout is, and it was essentially the standard layout, but with a lot more heat, a lot more hatred and vitriol, mm-hmm. and kind of a higher work rate just across the board. So it kind of landed with me a little more than your standard, you know. Um, like road to six man, you know. Yeah, and uh, Finley got the win off uh, Dane Limelight with Trash Panda. Post match, uh, Switchblade Jay White came out, tried to get the jump on Kingston. They had a little promo battle 
which eventually just led to uh, Jay uh, challenging uh, or either one. I forget who who let it challenge out, but essentially it's going to be Jay versus Eddie. He he challenged Jay White. Yeah, and and I, then he he kind of goaded Jay into like except Jay like acted got in the ring with face to face nose to nose with him acted like they were going to fight right then and there and then he said nope not going to do it acts like he's going to leave and then he was like battle in the valley and then he's like you little bitch I'm going to eat you alive I'm going to show these people that you're a joke blah 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 blah. and like all of a sudden like Jay White lost his shit and he's like I'm going to show everybody how insignificant you are (laughs) it was really good bro it it was a good segment yeah it was a really good segment yeah Jay was like you know, a lot of your favorites, and of course, he, he didn't say any of uh, Kingston's real favorites. He was like, you know, Tanahashi, Abushi, you want to be like those guys? I'm like, no, Kingston wants to be like the four pillars. <laughs> I think he was just naming people that he likes that he has beaten, you right, know? Right, yeah. He was like, yeah, I'm going to prove that, you know, I'm better than all those guys. I'm going to beat you. So, yeah, so that's going to happen at Battle in the Valley. Wait, 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 wait. Battle in the Valley is in February? Yes. So how was he going to compete at Battle in the Valley if he's wrestling at when's the new beginning tour that he's wrestling at? Well, that's a loser leaves Japan match. Not oh my God. not loser leaves New Japan match. I mean, that's true, but I just assumed that Japan meant like the whole like overall like all of New Japan, like a cerulean blue mat. Like basically I guess you could get away with working Tamashi, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're very specific that it's uh, loser leaves Japan, not New Japan. Let's see. I'm pulling up the uh, new beginning schedule here to see when. So the loser is going to go on. What if the loser doesn't go to sign with WWE or AEW? It's just like they go on fucking excursion to like the LA dojo. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, just, it's just gonna be like Jay working Strong's and Tamashi's and like some AEW and like Defy and then comes <laughs> yeah. back. So the Lulu Japan match happens on New Beginning in Osaka, which is Saturday, February 11th. So, and, and this is February 14th, 18th. Oh my bad, 18th. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So Jay, very interesting. Could he could be banned from Japan and still do this Eddie Kingston match, or maybe Hikaleo what could if, be gone. All right, so I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen because I think it's unlikely, but like we both probably expect, hypothetically, nine times out of ten, Jay White wins this match. But what if Jay is leaving the company and this is his favor on the way out? Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's mm-hmm. out of Japan. He can't work in quote-unquote Japan. So on the way out, like, does he beat Eddie? Like, if this, like, if this is his last match, does he beat Eddie Kingston? I think he loses. Yeah, if his last match, yeah, I think he loses to Kingston. Yeah, which would be pretty interesting. Uh, I know Kingston has been kind of pushed on these New Japan of America shows and pay per views. You know, beating uh, Ishii at Capital Collision. So yeah, so maybe this is a start of you know Kingston working more New Japan and you know, beating Jay White. Um, and then the, the main event of the show, uh, like I mentioned, Jeff Cobb and Badu Tito. Really fun, hard-hitting matchup here. Um, kind of continuation of the United Empire-TMDK rivalry that happened over the summer. And, yeah, it was a fun matchup. Jeff Cobb did the uh, the Aloha maker, the, 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 the ripcord, into the tour of the islands to uh, beat Badu Tito. 
Yeah, the match was very solid, very good. All the action was great. The only the only complaint I have is it was just a little short. Um, it kind of went into the uh, tour of the islands a little unexpectedly. Nothing wrong with that, but these guys had a lot of good chemistry, and I, I was really digging the action. I would have liked for this match to have gotten a little bit more time, but for what it was, it was highly enjoyable. For my money, I mean, lately Strong has kind of been, it's not been bad, I wouldn't say that, but it sort of just felt contrived. Like, basically a step above house show level matches, almost with zero significance to New Japan in general, Mm -hmm. or even just Strong in general. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most of what's happening there doesn't really even fit into the the narrative of their own universe most of the time. But this show at least built to the pay-per-view that's coming up and also felt like it was building just, you know, upon New Japan, like, kayfabe in general. Yeah, so I think there's a clear direction with these set of shows. Like, new Battle and Valley was coming up and everything was kind of building towards that. So, yeah, it definitely feels like this tour is a lot more meaningful, a lot more important matchups, and like the show is really, really enjoyable and fun to watch. Um, so we'll, we'll plus, see. it's probably like one of the last four that we see for Strong, whatever, <laughs> in, in or at least in this iteration. I'm. I, it reminds me of like when WCW was, when Nitro was ending. They're like three episodes away to the finale. It's like, <laughs> well, what's after that? <laughs> the Big Bang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um. I mean, yeah, we had the really great promo at the beginning with Filthy, and then, you know, the post-match, the the six-man was great, and the post-match angle with Jay White was really awesome. The main event was really hard-hitting and, and very good. The show was, this is one of the best shows they've done in a very long while, in months. Yeah, and so with that, uh, Battle in the Valley is really shaping up. So the pre-show, we got Finley versus Bobby Fish, J.R. Kratos versus Alex Coughlin, Finally going to do their blow-off match. And then, like we mentioned, Filthy Rules with uh, Filthy Tom Lawler against Homicide, Eddie Kingston versus Jay White. Um, last week on Twitter, we had the announcement um, that the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship would be on the line, so either Okada or Shingo will defend the title, and, of course, the, the women's title will be on the line as Kyrie will defend against Mercedes Monet. And the, the Monet fans were not, were not Bro, happy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why the fuck did you list that as the last match? I, I just, I just, list- I just copied and pasted, man. <laughs> Bro, you listed this all wrong, okay? I mean, I expect better from you. You're a professional here, Jeremy, and you know we both know the IWGP World Heavyweight Title match is going to go on last. I don't know why you got the women's match above it. This is New Japan. Come on, bro. Hey, no, I'm just trying to know in case you know some of these uh, Monet stands hacked my my Google Drive and it's all saw the document. I didn't want them you know coming after me because they were not happy when it was announced that there there was going to be an IWGP World Heavyweight Title match. They were very upset and saying you know why do you need that? You know uh, Mercedes she sold a show out and. You know, that should be the main event, her and Kyrie. And so, yeah, very heated uh, were they, the money stands. Bro, it not just heated, it goes beyond heated. It got like, okay, so, you know, uh, they put out the post originally for, for the event, right? And when they put out the original event poster, they had Okada on there and Jay White on there, who at the time were the top two guys battling for the IWGP title in just a few, you know, in a few weeks at Wrestle Kingdom. My thinking at the time was like, it's 2,000 plus seat building. It's highly unlikely 
that this implies that the IWGP title will be defended, but not impossible, especially considering like the steep decline of Western, you know, like New Japan's presence in the West. I mean, putting it in perspective, this is this building is about the same size as like the Long Beach Center that they first ran when they were doing um, strong style you know, evolved. Right, originally, before they went to Walter Pyramid. Um, And if they are starting over, this is a conservative company. Even back then, I thought to myself, it's not impossible. I mean, because right now, unless AEW is running with them, they're not selling out any sort of Madison Square Garden. What was the the garden show that got canceled that they were going to do? Wrestle Dynasty. Yeah, we're not getting a Wrestle Dynasty. If they try to do a Wrestle Dynasty level show on their own at this point in 2023... It's going to fail. So we're kind of back to the drawing board when it comes to New Japan here in the West. And things have been changing quite a bit lately. We know about Strong being changed. We know Mm -hmm. that there's some sort of impending announcement between Tony Khan and New Japan's involvement with Honor Club, whatever that means. It's been rumblings. We talked about it last week. And Obari and different people have made comments that New Japan is moving away from quantity to quality, right? Mm-hmm. Well, this battle in the Valley show, I mean, the fact that they're having Jay White and Kazushiko Kata on the show, even before they were formally announced, just on the poster, tells you that they were already going to put a lot into this show. Then we get the announcement that Kyrie and Mercedes are, are you know, headlining, co-headlining, whatever, and people freak out, the tickets sell out, they do an incredible house. I mean, hats off to those girls. $250,000 plus minimum gate, a quarter of a million dollars. That's got to be one of the largest gates ever sold in North America off the backs of women. I, I can't think of too many shows ever where that has happened. Do you know what I mean? Right. So uh, taking nothing away from them, I don't know that new – okay, this is what we've been told. We've been told that the card that's being presented right now was always going to be the card that they were going to present regardless. They didn't anticipate. (laughs) (laughs) They never anticipated that the show would sell out when they announced Kyrie and Mercedes. Not that they didn't want it to, but that just wasn't what the company was thinking necessarily. Right. It goes back to New Japan not being fully in tap with the West. Sure, they know that Mercedes Monet is a big star, but they, like you said, they weren't expecting for the show to sell out immediately once they announced her right and so the fans here in the west the the sasha crew the sasha stands whatever you want to call them there's a rabid fan base that we on this show have had little to no. i mean jeremy's probably had more than me but i've had little to no exposure from these folks like we just don't travel in those same circles so when they made the announcement this week that the iwgp heavyweight title would be defended and the winner of Shingo and Okada would go ahead and defend that title, all hell broke <laughs> loose. And I mean, like, some of the most unreasonable tweets I have, and quote tweets I have ever seen in my entire life when it came to the subject. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, they, they were not playing around. They were coming after Okada and the IWGP World Heavyweight title. 
um, you know, saying, you know, we don't need O'Connell on this show. We don't need the, the men's title on this show. Like, you know, Mercedes and Kyrie had it. You know, they sold a show out. They need the main event. Yada, yada, yada. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, the, the money stands. Uh, they were not happy uh, about the, the, the title announcement. But, you know, I don't know why they got so mad because, I mean, they still haven't officially announced the main event. I mean, we're assuming that, the, that Okada is going to main event. I mean, with the whole uh, women's title being uh, a key aspect of the U.S. product going forward, and if they want to make a big statement, I mean, they could main event with uh, Mercedes and uh, Kyrie, especially if Okada's defending against somebody that's a little bit lower of a status guy. You could do I that. Don't think, I don't think it would be a bad decision for them to do that, especially considering how they kind of dropped the ball when it came to the Kyrie versus Tam Nakano match at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, it, I don't think it would be a bad decision just uh, on from a stance of like kind of regaining some of the trust of the Western audience and also, you know, there's sort of that appeal of like, making history the first time ever that women have headlined any sort of show for new Japan pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. That would be a really big statement and that'd be a good idea. At the same time, this is a pretty traditional company that is slow to change and they treat the IWGP world heavyweight title as the preeminent title in their company's promotion. And, most traditionally, that title is just whoever. It doesn't really even matter who the person is defending it. It could be Virgil that Okada ends up defending the title <laughs> against, or Rick, Ricky Morton or Nick Gage, and it's probably still going to headline. You know what I mean? They could bring in, you know, Billy Gunn, Daddy Ass, and that's it's going to headline. <laughs> yeah, I, I would expect they're probably going to go if you have the Okada match. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's still gonna be fine. I still think Mercedes and Kyrie will get time. They'll probably be semi-main event spot, and they'll get more time than the title match got at uh, Tokyo Dome. So, Mercedes fans, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. She's gonna get time. She's probably gonna win. It's all gonna be okay. It, it got to a point where the the rage and so here's I can't really unload on everything I read because it was like just so mind-boggling. It's like, huh. Like, and I, I do understand some of the anger. Like, these people bought tickets believing that they were buying tickets to support their girl, right? Well, they are. A lot, <laughs> a lot of them, right. And then they're like, wait, you mean to tell me that she's not the main event? They're like, fuck all that. But at the same time, it's like, dude, no one said that, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it just it hurts my brain to, like, think about it. It's like. This is more. This is about more than just promoting a singular talent. I feel like what it is, and maybe I'm wrong. I feel like these particular fans are wanting to bolster a talent above the company, and there's nothing wrong with that inherently. But like they are not invested in the company itself or any of the other talent. Like you know, there was this theory that. Um, what might happen is they come in for for a Sasha and see the rest of the action and get blown away by what they see. And even though they only have limited dates on Sasha, they convert some of these fans to stardom and convert some of them to New Japan. And and, and but we already saw at Wrestle Kingdom that a lot of those fans tuned in for the first like the the pre-show and the first three matches and then tuned out. 
and didn't watch the rest of the fucking pay-per-view. Um, and so that's their their investment is for their girl, and it's not about Shinihan. It's not about you know strong style. It's not about fighting spirit. It's not about any of that. It's it's just about Sasha. For it's about money. It's about money. Um, but 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 the thing is. For this company, they are trying to regain an audience in the West. And it's not just, I mean, she is an important part of it. There's no doubt about that. And she has done big things. That that's that can't be overstated. Um, I can't think of too many, even though obviously um, this sellout, compared to like say WWE or like AEW, it's not big, quote unquote, but those tickets were very expensive. And I can't think of too many talent, men or women, from from any of the big companies that could have been brought in and off just the back of one match announcement, they could have sold that particular uh, show out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it is a big deal. But at the same time, it's not just about Sasha Banks. Like, this company is making every effort to regain eyes and, and attention from a Western audience, and that's why they're stacking the show up. And there have been people who criticize New Japan. They're like, why are you guys putting a, a world title show on here? Why are you bringing in Jay White? Why are you bringing in Eddie Kingston? Why are you bringing in all these stars when the show's already sold out? It's like, because, bro, they always were going to do that. That was always the intention. <laughs> yeah, this it's was the planned like they, card, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was a planned card long before, you know, they... This clearly, because the, like, the Nemesis tour was, like, taped in, what, December? And those that, that tour was building up this February show. Exactly. So they always, and they can't just suddenly pivot away from their previously, like they did a, a pre-taped show at that built to this show. They can't just pivot away from the booking that they already laid out on their television. I know not everybody watches strong, but they still can't just like be <laughs> like, oh, well, we already sold out. We're not going to do filthy versus homicide. We're not going to do, you know, Jay White versus, that's just not the way that they do things in this company. And um, I do think it's mind-boggling to me that these fans who are already getting what they want, you know, they're getting their their girl in a high-profile position against one of the biggest stars in Joshi for the world title of Japan or of New Japan. They're getting it. No one like that's not being taken away from them. They're acting like they they got stole from you. Know? <laughs> no one stole anything from you. You are getting exactly what you paid for. And guess what? On top of it, you're also getting a world title shot and you're getting death match and you're getting a grudge match. And like you're getting treated to probably one of the best shows that's going to take place on American soil and you're complaining about it. It makes it's unreasonable and it makes no sense. And, and it's you're acting like what's in your best interest as a fan for one particular performer should supersede what's in the best interest of a company's business. Well, they think the business should revolve around uh, Mercedes, and so... Right, but the, this company only has a couple dates on her, so... You know what I mean? It's not like, right. okay, let's say that they did that. Then, like, how foolish will New Japan look when they book her for, and, and start and when they book her for the two or three dates that they have on her, and then she goes back to WWE, which might very realistically happen it's like, okay, she had her cup of tea here and there, you know, and the fans will just 
go back to WWE with her where they probably want to be anyways. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it, it's so, it's so ridiculous. And, and like, I'm not even doing it justice. Go read the thread. Like it's, I've never seen like such foolishness, but like I'm coming to the realization that Jeremy, like fans like us and like the, our audience and stuff, like we're the minority when it comes to, wrestling fandom there's like a whole like nutcase wrestling there yeah the majority of wrestling fans are nutcases yeah there's some interesting circle if you if you go on the wrong post you go through the wrong thread you'll end up in a very weird place bro you ever <laughs> been to like yeah the people that we think are like grifters and bad faith actors are the ones who are like leading the wrestling like thought pro like jim Cornette and like Disco Inferno and like guys like that, they're like leading like the industry and like how fans perceive wrestling. And we think it's like, haha, those guys are idiots. No, they're like Bully Ray. They're the ones who like determine what the majority of fans believe and think because they're, and then like they call like, they call like, the fans that like listen to like Dave, like the, the, whatever they want to like, whatever they classify them as, you know, but like we're the smart ones. <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know but this show does look putting all the controversy with mercedes and i am starting to wonder like it's almost like a you know remember like with cm punk it's like is it worth it yeah this is what you get when you bring mercedes in you get the whole you know entourage with her and the whole online thing you got to debate and battle with so yeah it's great it's bringing a lot of eyes or selling shows out but do we want to deal with uh the, the money uh folks for this whole time you know, um, <laughs> you weren't there the other day, so we we had our, our gift exchange for the Largo Loop Secret Santa group, and uh, we were talking about this, and I saw, okay, so I saw some, you know, I don't know if you saw the reports this week where um, I believe it was Wade Keller was talking about the thoughts of a lot of the, like, um, workers in WWE and how they felt about her exodus and their perception of the situation and everything, Right. Mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that were not sad to see her go, and they were, like, you know, kind of corroborating some of those earlier um, reports that, like, she's difficult to work with and has attitude and blah, blah, blah. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I did see one individual on Twitter be like, do yourself a favor and go watch the Broken, Broken Skull session with her and Stone Cold Steve Austin and think about this from the from like the aspect if you were a non-fan, like showing this to someone who wasn't a fan and think about what their perception of her might be. And bro, I started watching because I don't watch like, I don't watch the network special. <laughs> yeah. I think I watched the one broken. I, I watched the one stone cold session with him and Y2J just because I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe they're having him on here. Right. Yeah. But I watched this one with Sasha and I was like, this is kind of cringe. <laughs> <laughs> and like it, it made me feel like a, uh, like I, I am a fan of hers, but it made me feel like a, this person is a mark, and b, this person gives no fucks about anything. Like she's extremely self interested, and I know all wrestlers are to some extent. So it's no like here's the thing: at the end of the day, I don't really care what these men or women are like outside of the squared circle in their personal lives. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm that doesn't really affect too much my real perception of them as long as they're not like breaking laws and like abusing people and shit like that. But it didn't endear her to me in any way watching it. Like I did watch it and I was like, this is like one of the worst, like 
normally when you watch like a interview with a wrestler, it makes you like them more. This interview did make me literally like Sasha a lot less. And I'd never seen it before. And I don't know if it, I've never, I had never heard anything bad about it, but I was watching it and I was like, I don't know, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it should be a interesting uh, few months here. We'll see what happens with uh, Mercedes versus Kyrie. And then what, the plan is with her going forward. Hopefully. And then, oh, so one one other thing I want to say about the show before we move on to the news. I am guessing right now, we don't have a, a challenger lined up, obviously. And, of course, at the end of the New Beginning Tour, when Okada faces Shingo, we're not very far away from there being a title challenger. So maybe something on Strong occurs that builds to a challenger or maybe someone comes out at the end of new beginning or a video package plays or something on social media to build up a challenger. But we are also waiting on a potential, like I mentioned earlier, Tony Khan slash honor club announcement with new Japan. I am going to go out on a limb right now and say, because it's a U.S. show and because we're waiting on that announcement and because there's supposed to be this partnership, I'm not going to be surprised if it ends up being a Ring of Honor talent that faces Okada for the IWGP title on that show. And if that is the case, my top three picks right now, and I'm putting it out there, Brian Cage, Jay Lethal, Samoa Joe. Yeah, those are all great options, and I definitely could see that happening. Because, yeah, I mean, they could do the whole walkout thing at the end of New Beginning, Fukata Shingo, but that seems a little, I don't know, a little quick, and I don't know who else they would send over. Um, so with it being U.S. based, like I definitely see them inserting some kind of promo from a ROH guy. We've seen Lethal work uh, New Japan strong before. Um, so oh, that, and you forgot to mention Fred Rosser and Kenta as being official for the whoa, show whoa, as well. Whoa, whoa, sir, Kent. Uh, Fred Rosser has to defend the title against uh, Pretty Peter Avalon. The winner of that, the winner of that, <laughs> following will, the kayfabe, will, will face Kenta at Battle in the Valley. It, it could, it well, could. You didn't, have, you didn't have Peter Avalon slash Kenta or slash. Well, I, I just, I just wanted to window. give the, that man respect and wait until <laughs> it was officially announced. So what the match? Who, Peter would be. Avalon. Yes, PPA all day. You know, wingman. <laughs> you didn't. Hey, I did want to say Danny Limelight is looking buff as like really buff. Did you notice that? I did. Yeah, he's in real good yeah. shape. Peter Avalon too. Those guys are in uh, good shape. But uh, anyways, yeah. So I'm thinking that just my my gut instinct. I'm thinking it's going to be one of those three guys challenging for the title. If I had to take a guess, I would probably bet on it being Brian Cage. They seem to like Brian Cage just being like the main guy in Ring of Honor right now, I think. Yeah, they're really trying to build up the embassy of him and uh, Prince Nana and the, the Gates of Agony. Uh, Joe is still the, the ROH TV champ, so they probably wouldn't want to do that. Uh, but, yeah, Bro, def- but, but but Joe and Okada have a lot of history. Yeah, it would it would be great. And, and would, it's a dream match. Yeah, it would be great if it happened. Um, but just yeah, the TV if- title thing, yeah. And Lethal's always like, you know, he's got a lot of history with all these companies. Like Lethal's probably the safest bet. If you if you're like put someone out there who can just go and just have a very like competently great match with Okada with like you have no fears about it, put out Jay Lethal. Right. 
And then if you, I, I could see a lethal Okada being semi main event to a Mercedes and Kyrie, and it'd be fun. Maybe I I'm thinking if it's Joe or Lethal, it'll probably main event with Lethal. It could be semi, but if it's Cage and Okada, that would probably semi main event. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe the company's listening, and maybe they still have Kyrie and Mercedes main event. That's always possible. Yeah, I mean easily. I don't think it it would be a, a detriment at all if they main event with the women's title over the IWGP title. You know, the funny thing about it is, like, not all, I don't want to speak for everybody, but most most New Japan fans, if they end up having a uh, a world title match that for the men that ends up semi-main eventing, we're not going to fucking care. Right. But these Kyrie fans are going to lose, or I'm sorry, these Sasha fans are going to lose their shit if she's not in the main event. In fact, there will be probably not mass, like, I think it's overstated, but there will be walkouts at the show after... Her match is over, which is so a disrespectful and b so fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> can you imagine walking out on Kazushika Okada? Never. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the greatest wrestler. Like, let's let's not minx words. Like, let's not like they're like let, let's keep it a buck. Sasha's one of the greatest North American women's wrestlers of all time. She's nowhere near the league of Kazushika Okada. Very few are men or women, period. Yeah. I mean, Okada's on a whole other level. Like Justin was saying earlier, like he's going to be on top for a very long time. And he's just, he's incredible and hasn't really slowed down much at all. Um, Imagine spending like $300 to see Sasha and then it's like, oh shit, Okada's out here. Fuck this. I'm going. I'm out of here. (laughs) I'm going home. Call my Uber. I'm out of here. Oh, Let's man. beat the traffic and get to IHOP. We already <laughs> saw Sasha. No need to see Okada versus Jay Lethal or Okada versus Samoa Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to so see stupid. good wrestling. None for me, sir. None for me. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You're trying to give me a, a four and a half star match? Fuck that. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's that's what people who uh, were like this best of seven series sucks. Ah, <laughs> uh, dude, I don't don't even get me started on those people. <laughs> I, I hate four and a half star matches every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, uh, let's jump into some news and uh, try and finish some some of the questions uh, from last week. Uh, so tickets are on sale for uh, Capital Collision in Washington D.C. and Collision in Philadelphia in the twenty three hundred arena. Access TV has announced upcoming shows from the Tokyo Dome on January 19th. We'll have Okada vs. Jay White on January 26th. They will air the FTR vs. Bishimon match and the Muto Tanahashi Umino vs. Naito Bushi. It's not a match as well as the Kairi vs. Tam Nakano match that will also feature the Mercedes Monet angle on February 2nd. They will air Catch 2-2. Against Leo Rush and Yo, Carl Anderson versus Tamatonga, Hiromu Takahashi versus Ishimori, Wato, and Desperado. NJPW Tamashi is going to be back this February, Friday, February 3rd, and Saturday, February 4th. For the dates for that, tickets on sale now. Kota Ibushi in the news cycle once again. 
Um, so Kota Ibushi, who's about to become a free agent, he did an interview with a Twitter account, Dark Pure Rezu, Flosion, um, and he said that he's had about 40 offers, and they said he would like to do, and he said he would like to do a singles match with Hangman Adam Page, as well as be a part of a stable with Hangman Adam Page, and also he, he mentioned that if Kenny continues to work with New Japan after he drops the U.S. title, that him and Kenny probably wouldn't get a chance to wrestle again. And we had a question here from West Commission 7252. So shout out to Twitter handle Dark Pairs of Flosion. Anytime you guys or any listeners of the podcast like to take a look at his Twitter. He did an interview with Kota Ibushi with Ibushi saying he feels 90% and is ready for his comeback. He even sent a sparring video which looks almost completely ready. With my prediction about Ibushi finally having his comeback to New Japan this year, is it still possible to you guys that the heat of him and management can smoothly be in the past and we can see him by New Japan Cup or G1? I am a little bit confused on some level about this situation because, and I, I don't know, I'm just speak. I'm not trying to poke holes in the situation. I'm just trying to speak from like my perspective. When I hate somebody or I have a real heat with them, I don't want to fuck with them on any level. I don't want to be like cordial or like know them or anything. But like to me, management is like Sugabayashi and like Obari and like other individuals, but they're like the top two, right? Mm -hmm. And this man was seen sitting with them throughout the Inoki Bombay shit, but then he's also still publicly very angry about every, and probably rightfully so about everything that's gone on with him and his dealings with them. So I don't know. I'm just confused from that aspect, but at the same time, Kotobushi's never been a guy that's been easy to like get a read on or understand completely. So I don't know, but from some of the comments that he made in his most recent interview, like they were asked about a Golden Lovers reunion, and he said something to the effect of like, well, as long as Kenny keeps wrestling with them and, you know, if he continues to work dates after he drops the U.S. title, I just don't see it possible for us to wrestle together ever again. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I guess, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem to me that it's going away. Right, and there's also the news that, uh, was brought in the Wrestling Observer newsletter last week that Kikuchi, you know, the the official that's been a part of this whole controversy, has been moved over to Pro Wrestling Noah and no longer works for New Japan. So a lot of people are like, "Oh, Kikuchi's gone. That means Ibushi can come back because the guy he has problems with is." That's leaving. what I was thinking too, and I was also thinking like, uh, if Noah and Cyber Agent were one of the main companies trying to acquire. Abushi, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for them to acquire the main person that he had issues with reportedly in New Japan, but that doesn't seem to be, from what I understand, it doesn't seem to make a difference one way or the other. Right. So, yeah, it seems like Abushi, yeah, he's, you know, still, yeah, very upset with New Japan Pro Wrestling, wants nothing to do with them, and is planning, you know, he's mentioning Hangman Page, so, I mean, maybe he's coming to AEW, uh, do some stuff there, but we'll see. More and more, it feels like that's going to be the eventual landing spot. Eventual landing spot for him. I did want to say one thing though. That sparring video. What the fuck was going on in that video? Why is this man throwing jabs and then bringing his hand down by his stomach and shit? And he's throwing like 
you know, left hooks and then bringing it down by his chest. Like, I thought he was like, well, I know for a fact he was like a K2 level striker. So why is he making very, I don't know, maybe he's just messing around, but like his strikes did not look good. And this is just coming from like a fight fan perspective. Like I've seen, I, I don't know, it's just basics. Like you don't throw a jab and then bring it down by your chest. Like even when you're just sparring, like it makes no sense. Yeah, not not quite sure what what he was trying to do there. <laughs> People thought it looked good, and I was there. I was like, no, this looks bad. <laughs> uh, in other news, uh, Robbie Eagles will be taking on PWA Tag Team Champion Paris Silva at a PWA Black Label Present Storage from Liberty Hall, January twenty seventh. Uh, Rev Pro is going to be having a Revolution Rumble coming up, and the first entrant announced for that is. One half of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, United Empire's Francisco Akira. And last, his last thing here, Carl Fredericks has been officially signed by WWE, signed on January 10th, is officially reporting to the Performance Center and will be a part of the NXT brand. Yep, well, uh, good for him. I am sad to see him go. You know, we'd heard some talk that maybe potentially there'd be an open door for him to make a return to new Japan, but I guess that just didn't work out. So, uh, but congratulations to Carl Fredericks as he embarks upon his career in WWE. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to questions here, um, ready user. Okay. Okay. 890 says, how would you have Osprey get his win back against Omega without winning back the U S belt? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I feel it's hard because I feel the whole part of the U.S. belt is actually a, a pretty important part of the story as well. Like, obviously, him beating Kenny is very important, but I think he wants to get back that U.S. title. And, you know, it's kind of very similar to, like, the Omega-Jericho rivalry with the U.S. title being involved um, in that, like, Omega wanted to keep that U.S. title, and then he kind of quickly dropped it later on um, after that match with Jericho. So I could actually see... Osprey winning, getting the title back, and then due to the war of Omega, somebody kind of picks the bones, gets the U.S. title, which then opens up um, Osprey to then go to the world title, like win the G1 or something. Sure. Uh, I think that's definitely a possibility, but let's assume, based on his question, that Osprey needs to get the win back without Omega dropping the belt, then I can kind of see, like, four situations. One you could have Osprey beat him in, like, a tag match situation. Mm. That's always a possibility. It's not quite the same, but that's possible. Number two, a tournament. Um, I know that, like, the days of Kenny being, you know, able to do a whole G1 are probably long past the time that it's possible. But what if they could do, like, first round of, like, the New Japan Cup, Osprey versus Omega? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And then Osprey beats him, and it's non-title in that situation. And then Omega doesn't have to do the rest of the tournament. You know what I mean? Right. So that's a possibility. Um, or you could do, like, I don't know if they would do this, but, like, a non-title match. Like, uh, I guess we're going into, like, the AEW territory, but, like, a lights-out sort of situation. You know what I mean? Where it's, like, or, non the, the title eliminator. Like, if you if you want the title back, you have to beat me in a non-title match first. You beat me in a non-title match, and if you win, then you get a title shot. So I think those are all possibilities. Uh, they're not likely, but to answer the question, those are all things you could, from your bag of tricks as a booker, do. Yeah. 
Also asked if Kosei Vegeta joined TMDK, how differently do you think he'll be booked? Will he be getting wins over Gato and Taka? Will he slowly be working his way up the card like most non-New Japan young boys do? Could Vegeta possibly be in best of Super Juniors? I don't think that, and I'm just guessing here, but I don't think this is going to change very much at all about how he's booked. Uh, I know he's aligned with a faction, but at the end of the day, he's still a young lion. I think he's not going to be beating anyone on the regular roster except for other young lions periodically. And he won't be presented very differently. He might wear a Tim DK shirt, but that's about it. I, I'm going to assume everything else about his presentation for now stays the same. And um, could he be in a, a Super Juniors? Sure. I mean, we've seen lots of young lions be in tournaments in the past or even on the rare occasion, pick up a win, you know, against a guy like a Gato or a Taka in that type of scenario on like the last day of a tournament right before they're ready for graduation. Like, but it, it even that's rare. Right. Yes. Yeah, this, this is not a graduation. This is not him, you know, leaving the no gay dojo system. Like he's still going to be considered a young lion. He's Zach's young lion. And so, yeah, I totally agree with you. I don't expect much difference. He'll be the pin eater for TMDK. Um, also, he'll probably be in more favor against some of the other young lions, um, but he will still be a young lion against other, uh, you know, main roster guys. I also think that this new idea of aligning the lions with uh, factions early is kind of interesting because then they go away for uh, excursion, and it's like, do they come back to that faction? Does that faction exist? Uh, like what's uh, they have a whole new character what's the deal and there's a lot of different like booking possibilities i mean we've kind of seen some versions of this not necessarily where lines were in factions but we've seen where they've been friendly or even uh you know have animosity like for instance jay white always had animosity as a young lion against um like kenny and the bullet club at the time and that right. led to his animosity with Kenny. So we've seen some stuff like this, but they can really play it up. And like, it's nice because when you bring, like when they bring Kosei Fujita back, he's got a lot of history with the guys from team DK moving forward, whether that's as a, a, a friend or a foe will remain to be seen, but it's a smart idea. Right. So like if Zach treats him bad, he goes on excursion, comes back. He wants to get revenge on Zach. Or even if he treats him really, really well, but he comes back as a heel. You know, mm-hmm. and he doesn't join up with them or whatever. And then the one day they end up in a, you know, singles situation. Like, it's, it's just going to be very interesting. Yeah. He also asked, do you see Oiwa and Nakashima getting picked up by a faction soon, like Vegeta, or will they take the more traditional route? I mean, that at this point, that's a great question, but we would just be guessing. We don't really know uh, if this is, I think that my my best guess is that this is sort of like a trial run. You know, right. I, I'm not saying that they're going to uh, align every single line with a faction, but if it goes well, what could stop them from doing that? Because I just kind of gave you some of the, the pros of them doing something like that, and that might be a good idea down the road for everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what they do with that. And this last question, do you think just four guys will be able to survive as a faction with just the four guys? um no to be honest with you i don't because most of these groups need to grow and gain new members and 
I mean, maybe if they change the name or the gimmick or whatever, but I'm not even convinced that just four guys is a long-term plan. It might just be like a, a holding faction for, we, we haven't seen one of those in New Japan in a long time, but they used to exist where a group would exist for a very short period and then the guys would split off and do their own thing. That's kind of more common in Western wrestling, not so much in New Japan, like in Perezu modern times, but it used to be more like regular. I feel like that's what this is. Yeah, we've kind of seen like the New Japan formula for how factions thrive and survive in the promotion. So yeah, just four guys doesn't really fit that mold. So I, I don't really see. I mean, if, if they stick around, they're probably not going to do well as a faction. Especially since they have three juniors and one heavyweight, and none of them seem to be the kind of guys that New Japan is willing to push as like the the top of a group. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question here from Sayami S. Win Cobra. What are your thoughts on everything that happened with Juice Robinson last year? Um, I mean, we don't have the inside track on what happened from a business perspective. Um, I mean, I can only really tell you from a kayfabe aspect and then kind of guess on the business end, but it kind of sucked one way or the other. I mean, this was a guy that was, I mean, for me, it goes back further. It goes all the way back to when he won the U.S. title from Jay. Like, up from that moment to his genesis in the company, there was a clear trajectory. There was uh, investment, and there was a lot of goodwill. And then following that win against Jay White, where he seemed to be at his apex, I don't really know what happened. And if I were to guess, it would just be speculation, you know. But I don't know where the where the the shortcoming was. If it was with Jay or with the company or some combination of the two, but something went awry. Well, I think specifically last year, the the whole appendicitis thing really screwed things up because he was on that hot run. He fooled the world, joined Bullet Club, uh, won the U.S. title in that four way at a Capital Collision. And then it seemed like, yeah, they were, had big plans for him as U.S. champion. Then he gets appendicitis, couldn't defend the title, was stripped. And then after that, they just kind of like seemed to drop all the plans they had. I would agree with you, Jeremy, except for everything that happened in the G1. Because then we were kind of like anticipating for him to have a big, successful run in the G1. And he had probably the worst uh, run of almost anybody in the entire tournament, which was kind of shocking. Yeah, so I'm saying they, they totally yeah abandoned whatever direction they were going with because yeah he would have been U.S. champ going into G1 instead end up being Osprey. Um, right, but what I'm saying is I don't know how much it really has to do entirely with the appendicitis or if something else happened from a business perspective that we're not privy to beyond that. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I don't know, but um, it just does kind of suck. They gave him a big push. We thought he was being reinvented, and then. You know, within a very short period of time, we lose juice twice. Yeah, and interesting thing is, you know, he's still the, the rock hard character in AEW's last Ring of Honor. He's still coming out with. And, and wasn't he at first like he wasn't, and then suddenly he is again? No, he was always doing the rock hard stuff. Um, still using the the Bullet Club music, Bullet Club stuff on his tights. Well, I know he didn't at Ring of at the Ring of Honor show. He did not have 
any of that stuff. Gotcha. Oh, he yeah. wasn't rock hard, and he didn't have any of the gimmick or whatever. Okay, I didn't see the the match of Joe, but the this the match of Darby. Uh, right. This past week, he had the Bull Club jeans on. He the interview with Renee on Dynamite. He said he was rock hard and he's part of the Bull Club, and um, it ended up losing a Darby on Rampage. So yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going on with this man. Yeah, it, it's very confusing, and I thought the reason he wasn't using it over there was for legal reasons, but now I'm not. I'm not really sure what the deal is one way or the other. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't have much more to add to that. It does kind of suck though. Uh, next question's here from at Donut underscore Desperado. Does Despy and ELP move to heavyweight this year? I don't think so. Um, I mean, if I had to take a guess, I think that ELP's probably – well, ELP has already moved to heavyweight. What am I saying? Yeah, he's a, yeah ELP's officially a heavyweight. Um, but Despy, I don't think Despy would, is going to move to heavyweight. I don't see it either. I uh, also asked what faction is going to dominate the title scene this year. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I don't I, I mean do you do you think that like there's a inside track for one of these uh you know factions to kind of be the dominant group this year? Uh we we could see uh TMDK uh dominance here in the, the early part of the year with Zach's a TV champ if um Hayes and Nichols upset Bishamon. They'll have those titles, and then, uh, you know, bring in Badu Tito, but he could he could win something. So yeah, that that faction could end up being uh, pretty strong this first quarter. Sure. Uh, moving on to Gentlemanly Dragon. Says, hey guys, I've been out of the loop for a few years, but I remember when you guys started with the podcast, and I used to follow it. It's amazing to see you are still going strong. No pun intended. So cheers to you. I, I just watched Wrestle Kingdom and New Year's Dash, and I thought they were incredible shows. NJPW has me hooked back again. My question is, how do you feel about this Suzuki-Goon, Desperado, Naito connection? Do you see any future to this faction slash group, or is it just a way to have another trios team for six-man matches? I'm hoping for the former. Suzuki's comments after New Year's Dash about how Narita has called his son a strong style. Suzuki's saying himself he knows everything there is about, about strong style. I thought were interesting, and I think it can make for an intriguing dynamic. Desperado always felt like Suzuki's direct understudy with Suzuki-Goon. i think that there are a lot of stories to be told with Narita now in a place if they go forward with them as an actual group. Thank you for looking forward to the following podcast and New Japan again. Um, so yeah, so Gentleman Dragon, yeah, welcome back to, to New Japan and following us. I definitely remember you, your questions back in the early days of the show. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure what the plans are with uh, Suzuki, uh, Narita, and Desperado. It seems like for now, yeah, they, you know, they're teaming up on undercard stuff and potentially going to challenge for never six-man titles. I mean, I think that it would be a cool um, little group with the three of them. And I think Suzuki kind of being somewhat of a mentor to Narita could be kind of cool. Yeah, Um Welcome back to listening to the show. I just assume that you guys are all always listening because I don't know who any of you guys actually are. But, um, yeah, Gentleman Lingy Dragon was one of those names that we used to see regularly in the early days of the show, so glad to see that you are uh, tuning back in. Um, I don't have much to add here. I mean, I, I don't think that long-term Suzuki and Narita are going to coexist in some sort of faction. I think that this is just a kind of a program that they're working and I I wouldn't be surprised if long term regardless of whether they win the six man titles or not 
if we don't wind up seeing Narita and Suzuki in a program against one another. Just some of the pro backstage promo comments have led me to kind of feel like that's where this is headed long term. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what that happens there. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting. The good thing is, like, we don't know exactly what they're doing, and it's cool. There's a lot of interesting directions that they could go in. The, the company in general feels that way right now, where we don't have that same sense of familiarity with how things are going. I mean, they got a lot of weird stuff going on right now. Yeah, it kind of feels like somebody news in the, in the booking room, along with Gato <laughs> and crew. And it's not Dick Togo. No, it seems like Dick Togo's out. <laughs> he, had, he had his run. <laughs> uh, Less Commission 7252, do you think Omega paved the way for Gaijin talent to have more chances and have the amount of trust from Gato to be in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom, or is it due to the popularity and enough exposure for Gaijin wrestlers like Osprey and Jay to now be able to work a main event at the Dome? Previous year, that's only... It will, it will only always be Tanahashi, Okada, or Nakamura, but no other guys in talent. Uh, I don't know. That's kind of a loaded question because, I mean, it's like a yes or yes and no situation. Like, on the one hand, I would say no because prior to Kenny Omega, there was a lot of top-drawing gaijin in Japan. You know, even before... Uh, Japanese companies were running dates at the Tokyo Dome because I mean that only started in like the late 80s um, you still had big gaijin stars doing huge gates around the country Luthez, Hulk Hogan, Stan Hansen, Big Van Vader you know Bruiser Brody list goes on and on but um, at the same time there is some truth to the fact that like most Gaijins had not been headlining Tokyo Dome shows for years and years prior to Kenny Omega. A lot of that's just kind of due to the lack of major international stars in New Japan because they did go through a down period at the end of Enochism. And, um, you know, there was a period where they couldn't afford to attract the biggest, you know, talents that were from international outside. So it, it, it's one of those things. Do I think Kenny Omega raised his stock and at the same time, you know, made it uh, possible for the guys that kind of precede him? Like, I do. But we also have to remember there were guys that were doing kind of the same thing before Kenny Omega, even before the Dark Ages. Right. And I think uh, Friggle Devitt did a lot of great work uh, building up the foreigners, AJ Styles. So, you know, that kind of Bullet Club uh, lineage there. Uh, Jay White was a, a guy in, in the dojo, so I think he always had a shot by you know coming out from the the dojo system and getting a chance there. But yeah, definitely Kenny, very influential and uh, probably kind of gave you know rebuilt confidence in them, saying, "Hey, yeah, we can push you know a top foreigner." Yeah, it's a great way to put it. He definitely rebuilt their confidence. Uh, all right, some of these other questions will kick to next week so we can do a recommended match of the week and uh, get out of here. So um, last week for recommended match of the week, you recommended uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Yuji Nagata from the G1 Climax 26 from July 30th, 2016. And this was a awesome matchup. This was definitely like your, your G1 quality matchup here. And these guys were just striking the crap out of each other. I mean, Nakajima was kicking in um, Nagata's chest. Nagata throwing some very stiff uh, forearms and kicks as well. And, uh, you know, 
the big uh, Blue Justice uh, suplex towards the end there, like just launched Nakajima on his head with that big suplex. Um, Nakajima jumped him from before he made his way to the ring. These guys were brawling into the ring, and then once it got into the ring, it's very hard hitting strikes exchanges back and forth uh, throughout the match. Uh, one point, Nagata gets his his signature arm bar, rolls the eyes back, but uh, Nakajima was able to get out of that. Um, and you see a really good back and forth action there. Uh, Nagata was trying to go for the the Blue Justice hold with the suplex with the pin, but Nakajima kept fighting that off, and he was able to hit a a brain buster and get the the big kind of quote-unquote upset win over Nagata. Uh, the, the New Japan crowd booing, you know, this wrestling Noah talent um, and wanted to see Nagata win, but Nakajima got the win in a very you know, hard-hitting G1 matchup. Yeah, you remember these old uh, no-commentary shows, huh? Yeah, for a second I was like, where is the... I was like, I was waiting. I was like, are they, are they just kind of laying out for the entrances? Oh, no, just, <laughs> no commentary at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, this match... Really, really, really ruled. Uh, another match that ruled was the excursion match of the week. Jeremy recommended from Noah the New Year 2023. Uh, this was the GHC tag team title match that Justin um, mentioned earlier in the show where we had the champions Satoshi Kojima and Takashi Segura defend their titles against uh, Kenta and now Michi Marafuji, the uh, team of, um, I think it's American. Yeah. Um, this ruled. It, it really, really, really ruled. Uh, these guys went out there and definitely laid out the hard strikes. They kind of um, brought a little bit back some of that, what I like to call the Noah Kenta flavor. Like he was just back to really being about that, like strike life and hard slaps. I mean, really, really, really hard slaps, hard elbow shots too, especially the interactions he had with Segura. Um, but Kojima was great in this match, as well as Marafuji. All four guys are, you know, older at this point in their career. And I, I, not maybe necessarily dad status exactly, but they're all, their best days are kind of behind them. And you, you'd hardly be able to tell in this match that that was the case because they were working a very, very fast pace. They were working a very physical style. And the one thing that was interesting was this match went about 18, 19 minutes. Like, the first 10 minutes or the first nine minutes, first half, there's almost no tag team interactions. And what I mean by that is, like, every single time one guy's in the ring, just one other guy's in the ring, and that's it. There's no tag team interactions where a guy's, like, holding someone and then tagging, and then they do a double team. There was actually no double team moves whatsoever for the entire first half of the match. And that was kind of unique because... Maru Ken is a team that was very famous and has a lot of really cool double team moves. And, you know, people were kind of waiting on that. Well, they kind of saved it for the second half and we got to see, you know, the dual kicks and the dual knees and everything like that, which was really, really awesome. But ultimately I did think the match ended a little abruptly for my taste and it was trending to go, higher than I think it actually landed. Um, some people might be higher on this than me. I, I still think it's in that four and a quarter range. I don't know if I would uh, necessarily say that this was a excursion match of the year contender, but if if you haven't seen it, I would say it's definitely something worth checking out, and it was a really fun watch. Nice. Uh, then for this coming up week, uh, for excursion match of the week, 
going to go with Kushida versus Darby Allen. That will be happening on Wednesday on AW Dynamite for Wait, the you team. Don't have, you don't have an excursion match of the week. I had it last week. Oh, my bad. <laughs> well, I got to pick a different you match. Gotta, you got you to recommend a match to me, bro. Hold on. <laughs> got to pick a different match now. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll try to draw this out for just a, a minute, but... uh. I'm gonna. I did think about giving you Darby and um, Kushida, but I felt like this was made available on New Japan World, so maybe we should give it a whirl. Uh, and that is the main event of the recent Anoki Bombaye uh, show that was primarily an MMA show, top to bottom, except for the main event, which was headlined by a pro wrestling match. It was a UWF I style rules match between one um, Filthy Tom Lawler and the wrestler, um, Katsuyori Shibata. And we've heard great things about this match. It was recently made available on New Japan World, so you can stream it for free. And uh, I think that's what we should check out this week. Nice. Then for our recommended match of the week, I'm going to follow your trend from last week and go to uh, G126. Gonna do Nakajima versus Kenny Omega from the B block. So. All right, yeah. You know what's funny? Kenny didn't have the greatest G one that year. Like his last two matches, I mean, he did have a very good G one, but like people at the time really overblew that that G one performance, and he went out and had much better G ones in the subsequent years following it. Yeah. Well, I think he was still kind of in that like. More bullet clubby, more healy kind yeah. of character compared to like being the best bout machine afterwards. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, but at the same time, people were still really praising that as like being this all time great, you know, Kenny run for him. And it, it kind of wasn't until the last few nights. Yeah. But I definitely want to check out this Kojima match. I'm pretty sure I saw it at the time, but I don't recall it. So. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at Nakajima, all the stuff he was having. Like, it's being a G one. There's so many good matches that I want to check oh, out. Oh wait, did you say did you say Nakajima or Kojima? Nakajima. Oh, I thought you said Kojima. I was like, all right, I'll watch. I'll watch <laughs> Kenny and Kojima. No, Nakajima. Oh, the Kenny, the Kenny and Nakajima match. Yeah. Okay, yeah, for sure. Nice. Well, that's going to uh, wrap things up for us here this week. Next week, we'll be back to review Wrestling Kingdom 17 in Yokohama Arena, as well as the new beginning in Nagoya. So if you enjoyed today's show, you can consider making a donation by visiting socialsheetbooks.com slash donate and click the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. You can follow the network at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash social suplex. Also find us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Also keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences, hosted by Caleb and Maharati. All Things Elite, hosted by Floyd and Austin. The AEW Match Guide podcast, hosted by Sir Sam. And the Great Match Generator, hosted by Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style. The Ace.
of podcasts. Ichiba. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.